0: And welcome to Green Pass Gaming. I'm your host Flap, and as always, helping us steer the good ship tonight, we have in the co-hosting hot seat Puxley. Hello, Pux. How are you, mate? Hello, Flap. I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you doing? All right? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's been another week, hasn't it? We've had a we've had a bit of a blowout of news. So yes, we um... finally
1: got the the Sony updates, which I'm sure we're going to be diving into in a lot of detail. Well, I'd like to think, you know, the main platform holders
0: have, have all pretty much shown their hands by now, so there's, you know, there should only really be a trickle of information left, so uh, yeah, plenty to talk about tonight, so, um, but before we do that, let's introduce everyone else, as always with us on a Sunday podcast, I'd like you to welcome VJ. hello sir, how the devil are you?
2: Hey, how you doing? Uh, flat. Yeah, all good, thank you very much.
0: That's good. Yeah. Um, also, we've got two guests tonight, as always, and, um, well, semi-regular to the show. I think it's your third time, Luke. Um, please welcome to the show, Luke Steele.
3: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, happy to be here. It's been um, a really interesting week, actually. Lots of lots of stuff's happened, finally, after so much silence, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to talk about it.
0: It is, and, you know, there's lots to get our teeth into, and it's going to be nice to sort of compare what we know about uh, both platform holders. So, um, yeah, plenty of discussions there. And last and by no means least, we have Michael, otherwise known as NX Gamer. Welcome to the show, sir. How the devil are you?
4: I'm very good. Thank you, Flap, for inviting me. Thanks, everyone, for uh, bringing me on to this podcast. Hopefully I won't bore everyone, but yeah, (laughs) good news. lots, lots, Lots of things to talk about. As you say, it's been a very busy week in the video game world, so I'm sure there's hopefully enough discussion to get us through the next hour and a half.
0: I should think so. Um, and uh, hi to the chat. Um, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, there's normally more that sort of rock up as the show go along, but Indie Gamer, Fugly Wakanda. Um, oh my good. Uh, fun speculation. Sweshy's here. Hi guys. Uh, welcome to the show. Let's have a good one. Um, so normally do a very quick round of what we've been playing this week. So um, Pucks, what
1: have you been up to first, mate? I have been jumping into a bit of the Call of Duty Cold War Alpha on PlayStation, having some good time with that, and I've also been playing the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection, specifically Mario Sunshine, for those that do care. (laughs) (coughs) That's cool. Um,
0: Vijay, what have you been up to? Have you been gaming much this week?
2: No, 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 not at all. I've just been, uh, as I said in the pre-show, I've just been watching uh, Michael's videos on loop so I can keep up with the conversation today. I'm struggling, but I'll try.
0: You've been swatting up just to make sure you can keep up.
2: Yeah, it seems like it's an all-British uh, cast today, right? Almost, it is. Oh, my goodness. Is this like the Spice Boys or something? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to do any singing. If you guys want to, no, that's no, fine.
2: Well, Michael knows, right? On his first appearance, he has to do some singing, right?
0: All oh, right, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pick <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I'm afraid, uh, Luke. Have you been melting your GPU with uh, Flight Sim still? Uh,
3: yes. Yeah. Um, although I, I did was one of the few lucky ones to manage to get a, a pre-order for the three eighty in. So yeah, well <laughs> done. So nice. uh, I'm hoping to melt that one uh, when it mm. arrives as well. But yeah, so playing that. Um, uh, same as puxley actually playing 3d all stars specifically sunshine because um it's actually one that i've I've never played uh, miraculously mm-hmm. um, so playing that and uh, and hades on switch as well which everybody should get hades because it's a phenomenal game and it's it's just brilliant so
0: that's cool um and michael, what have you been up to
4: mate? Uh, well side work uh, and, and my normal everyday work job um just been mm-hmm playing a bit of uh, Call of Duty Black uh, Cold War I always forget Black Ops it's Black Ops so on PS4 been playing the alpha enjoying that uh, just just done a video on it it's again um, impressive and it's it's good fun I always like a bit of COD because it's just turn your brain off and have a run around and shoot people it's it, it's a good de-stress I think as a game
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I've had a dabble in the alpha build as well and uh, really enjoyed it, actually. Quite impressed with the graphics. Um, It feels like COD. Uh, We mentioned just before the show that uh, throwing a grenade, this seems to be an extra... 15 frames of animation in that, which absolutely frustrated the hell out of me, because obviously uh, I like to get my grenades off quick, and uh, you can't always do that in this one, but uh, hopefully they, those <laughs> right. sort of things might change, but um, so yeah, it's been a hell of a week, so we've had the, the Sony uh, launch event, and we kind of know everything that we wanted to know, so um, we're going to break it down. Um, <clears throat> I think what we'll do is funny enough, we've we've just done this, but let's go let's just do a quick round of of the game that, that everyone really liked um from the from the presentation at the event. We'll come to you first, Vijay, if you don't mind. So um they showed some games. There wasn't too many surprises in there. There was a few games missing, like Ratchet and Clank, although we have seen quite a lot of that already, to be honest. But um was there any particular game on the on the Sony event that sort of took
2: your fancy? Um I watched it first off, and I wasn't paying that much attention to the the event. Well, I was, but more like just a fan not really observing it critically. So um, I was actually going to talk about Miles Morales, but I decided to express my disappointment about another franchise, actually. Um, I've enjoyed Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest games since the 90s, and I went back and watched the Final Fantasy 16 trailer to form a more sort of detached opinion from it yeah. and uh, this time i caught the fact that final fantasy 15 was <laughs> being developed by someone you know or a team called the creative business unit 3 and i went back and a yeah. had to, to see like okay it's so on the lumen engine uh, who was final fantasy 15 made by and that was created by something called the, the business unit 2 and the first thing that came to my mind was are these like new final fantasy franchises right being developed by accountants lawyers and administrators yeah it's not like it wasn't exactly an imagine- imaginative name for a development team yeah, See, normally no, normally you either feel like a you feel like a real sense of amazement or you can respect the creativity and the quality of a new final fantasy trailer but compared to the reveal, reveals of all the Final Fantasies and I've pretty much played all of them from seven to up to 15 and the recent remake right and uh, but this was by far the most underwhelming to say the least it, it felt like almost like it was an internal concept concept demo right prepared uh, in order to be submitted to the the higher-ups um or or in fact the green light approval committee right Square Enix um, you only have to sort of compare um the reimagining and the Character model of uh, Shiva, which is one of the summons in Final Fantasy VII, to the one yeah. that they showcased in um, in this FF16 trailer, uh, to under- sort of understand where I'm coming from. Final Fantasy trailers are usually sort of really recognisable, if not um, if not for all of their sort of iconic characters, really nicely tailored costume designs, and and really fantastic locations and uh, locations. And um, I don't know, I don't know if anyone remembers uh, Lightning from Final Fantasy XIII i mean she mm. was uh, i mean she was she was fantastically designed right and she was the star i think of um, i think it was louis vuitton right she was like part of their national advertising campaign um in comparison like these character designs that i saw in this in this uh, uh short trailer or whatever it was for me was incredibly generic and uninteresting if it wasn't for the beginning of the trailer there was like a Final Fantasy melody that was sort of subtly playing in the background. Uh, I would have been sitting in hope that it was just like a a spin-off in terms of Final Fantasy Chronicles or or tactics. This was for me similar to how I felt when I first saw the Halo Infinite trailer and it's definitely not in the same stratosphere in terms of uh, Final Fantasy, Fantasy, the Final Fantasy 7 remake and uh, yeah I mean what's really interesting to me is I don't know if you guys like Final Fantasy, but when Aerith Gainsborough uh, was revealed, right there was a lot of hoo-ha uh, on, the, on Twitter and, and, other play, and other media outlets where the Japanese gamers really didn't approve of her and they were really vocal about it. I would really love to know what they make of this trailer. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. Okay, that's cool. Um, let's go to you next then, Michael. What, what was your pick of the
4: show? A boring one, but mine was Demon's Souls. Um, absolutely love Demon's Souls. I think it's an amazing game on the PS3. It obviously, kicked off the whole Dark Souls franchise, but it also it's one of those games that kind of takes me back to a kid playing things on the Commodore sixty four and Vic twenty, even where games were really hard, but they they had that one more go kind of hook where you'd sit down till the early hours of the morning, just trying to get past that one level and mm, just trying to work yeah, out yeah. something like Big Mac, where you had to like understand the where the platform was moving and jump over it, and I like dark souls because it it can't demon Souls, sorry because it takes you down that route of you know you understand the the mechanisms, the routines, the timings, and I love all that, and I think that what they've done here is very clever that they haven't it's a very isolated tight you know i hate the word the statement but corridor it's a very tight controlled environment, so it's a great game to enable a a shorter development time for the team to push something out that really pushes the next gen quality. And I think the right, the ray trace shadows, reflections and lighting that they've put in there looks exceptional, but I think above all else, it's, it's hopefully a return, a sign of people starting to use some of the strong physics and and better AI in titles. That's what I noticed in it. And it's, it's going back to the original demon souls, which did have quite a lot of physics. Havoc engine was built into the engine itself. It was trying to push that kind of realistic physics, generated imagery and animation systems and all that was quite new back then and it's not really moved on massively in the whole last generation we've had and I'm hoping that, that this demon souls really starts to push that out i noticed some parts in the original trailer and i think the overall presentation of it it's a it's probably Bluepoint's best work, where they've they've taken the original and really kind of managed to reinvent it, but not ruin it. And I think that's a careful balance when you you know reimagine something as old and as grand as Demon Souls or what they've touched on before, which is um, always a, a delicate and and temperamental situation for the fan base, as as just covered there by VJ in terms of Final Fantasy. It can be very people can be very passionate about when you change things just a little bit too much. So yeah, I absolutely loved Demon's Souls. I thought it was a standout title of the show, and I think it really. It's the, it's the first game I'll play on the PS5 when I get it. Absolutely. Okay.
0: That's interesting. Well, um, I mean, you mentioned this in in your latest video, actually. I mean, the the video quality of the actual event itself was horrendous, really, really horrendous. But when you actually see the the 4K VODs afterwards, it's like, oh, my God, this is a different game. It looks fantastic. And uh, I have to agree. You know, uh, we'll we'll be coming back to that point of AI, if you don't mind, a little bit later on, because I'd like to just delve into what next generation can actually mean, and I'm hoping, obviously, better AI is one of them. But um, Pucks.
1: What was your highlight of the show? Um, It wasn't really a PlayStation exclusive, but I was actually really intrigued by Hogwarts Legacy. I thought the idea of having an open world um, Harry Potter game, so to speak, was actually uh, really interesting. Apparently, there's a load of rumours and murmurings about this for the last few months, but these have gone completely past my radar. I hadn't heard of this before. So when I saw the announcement, I was kind of pleasantly shocked and that it's actually kind of pre harry potter if that makes sense it's kind of i think it's like 100 years or the makings of hogwarts or it's based around that kind of era so i think it's gonna be quite interesting but again we didn't really see any real gameplay for it It was all mainly just cgi Mm. you know just kind of panning around the different environments but they still look nice um so i think that that was that was mine i think overall specifically in that showcase yeah no
0: completely agree. In chat tell us tell us what you think your game uh, of of that particular event was uh luke what, what was yours
3: uh, I think I probably agree with Michael actually, uh, in that it was it was Demon Souls. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, for me, love Demon Souls, love Souls games in general, but Demon Souls is quite a special game. Um, and uh, you know, when the I think when they did the original trailer, um, for me, you know, I was really hyped up by the remake just because, you know, Blue Point from in terms of what they do uh, technically with their games are, are just Incredible, uh, and uh, you know, if you play Shadow, Shadow of the Colossus, um, that's an incredible looking game. Mm. Um, and so when they when they released the original trailer, I thought it looked spectacular, but obviously it didn't really have any kind of main, you know, extended gameplay look. Um, and so when when they actually showed the the gameplay properly and had a run through right up to the Vanguard boss, um, I, I was just completely blown away. But I think it's probably, you know one of the most quote unquote next-gen games that that you know that's be, that's been revealed in terms of at least in terms of uh, gameplay sequence mm. um just the the lighting the level of detail the animation vanguard in particular that the boss is just incredible just mm. absolutely incredible um and to see that realized at that detail you know and especially if you go back and have a look at, at that, <laughs> that fight in in the original demon cells um, yeah, yeah it's it's really impressive and I think um you know for me I can see you know some people have a look at the remake and they're a bit um they're a bit hesitant if they're huge demon souls fans because demon souls you know has a very particular atmosphere probably more than any other souls game it has a very particular atmosphere and part of that was to do with you know uh, how the game's color graded etc um and how it looked way back then but i think um blue point have done an incredible job of kind of retaining that as much as possible while also updating it for uh, for, for next gen and and you know it seems to me it's as if you know this this is the kind of game from would have made back in the day if they'd had that capability at the time uh, which which they didn't um, but yeah I, I was blown away by that.
0: Yeah, you know, and again, you know, when I saw the graphical fidelity of that, it really, it really knocked my socks off, if I'm honest, like I say, with the VODs that were uploaded afterwards. But I'm quite pleased, actually, because none of you guys have said the one that, that kind of really triggered me. And it's it's one that's probably a little bit out there, to be honest. And it wasn't necessarily from its sort of graphical fidelity, but I just loved the the looks of Deathloop. I thought that looked really interesting and a game yeah. that I'm probably going to get into Um, I was never a massive Dishonored fan, that's the weird thing, and it's obviously by Arcane Studios, but um, I just love the sort of the the graphical style and the music and the the art sort of direction that they've taken that game with. So, um, yeah, I really like the look of that. So that's the one that I've probably got my eye on, but um, that's not to say that my eye isn't on all of the others. Um, Puxley, what's the chat been saying, just quickly? What have we got in the chat?
1: Uh, Well, a lot of people, I think, agreeing with what we're saying. A lot of people look like they are looking forward to Dark Souls and a lot of people are also saying sorry, demon souls I should say. Demons um, of, souls, yeah. Demon's Souls, yeah, sorry. Um, and a lot of people also saying that they were pleasantly surprised with the Hogwarts reveal as well. And that yeah. Uh, that we can't really, don't really know anything about it. And that kind of makes it a bit more interesting. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's no that makes sense. And that, that was a bit of a surprise I think for everyone. And um yeah,
1: still no um oh, what's what's the game
0: I'm thinking of? Oh puxley The ring, Elden Ring, still no Elden Ring.
1: Yeah, that's kind of. We just got, we had a bit of a teaser last year, E3, didn't we? And not really seen much about it
0: since. I was hoping that we might start seeing that again, but, uh, okay, well, let's get into the, um, let's get into the the real meat of this topic. Then let's, let's talk about price because uh, we can't really go much further without discussing Sony's price points and how it stacks up against Microsoft and stuff. And Luke, I'll probably come to you first, mate, if you don't mind. So we, we know the price of the consoles now. Um, I think they are possibly a lot cheaper than some were expecting, thankfully. Um, obviously given the, the specs of these things, um, Do you think that perhaps the pricing of the PS5 was forced upon by the Microsoft reveal, particularly with the Series S? Or do you think this particular pricing structure is what Sony had in mind from the very beginning?
3: Uh, I mean, I think if we take Sony's word for it, I think Jim Ryan said that that this has always been the plan. Um, I suspect they probably... uh, probably believe Jim Ryan on that basis, purely because I'm sure they they would have heard a long, long time ago that Microsoft were planning to release a, you know, a much a much more affordable next gen console. Um, and you know probably wanted to, to to get as close to that as they could with their with their one console, you know, Diskless version aside. So I think um, I think uh, you know it's probably been on the cards for a while. I was I was quite surprised at how cheap the discless version was. Mm. Um, you know that that took me back because in my own head I, I probably thought well you know maybe 450 uh yes. this is in, in, in pounds for me 450 uh, and then and then 400 for a for a for a discless version. So uh the fact that it that it came in lower than that was was really surprising. Um Especially because we know that you know that the actual the actual you know cost of including a a 4K Blu-ray drive is is minimal. You know, it's I'm sure Michael probably can touch on it more, but I suspect it's probably in the you
0: know. I think it's I think it's been announced about twenty to thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. very cheap. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah um, surprising on that basis. Not surprising uh, that they went for as low as possible. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's it's just it's just a win for for gamers, really, uh, that that it's come in so cheap, and you know that the the competition from Microsoft has been enough to, to press Sony and think, you know, actually we we've got to come out and got to be quite aggressive with our pricing structures. Um, not to mention, you know, uh, kind of <laughs> the third party, uh, second party deals that they're doing as well. So um, yeah, I was I was really pleased with it. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be... It, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to help the PS5 sell very well. Uh, the first round of pre-orders, as chaotic as they were, uh, show that the demand is exceptionally high for it. So um, it's going to be interesting. I'm mean I I'm also quite interested how many disk versions that they're going to be manufacturing, because from my experience, they were really scarce. For pre-orders, mm. so which I wouldn't have expected. So it's going to be interesting to see, and we'll see um, on Tuesday whether you know the, the the same level of demand is there for for Microsoft consoles.
0: Yes, Tuesday. I mean, once Tuesday's gone, and then obviously you know both both of those sort of elements have happened. And like you say, it will be interesting to see who who's kind of had the, the most interest out of, um, out of uh, both the big players. But um, so, Michael, let's come to you next. Um, so. Do you think this is Sony's plan all along? Because there was lots of rumours about, obviously, horrendous failure rates of their um, SOCs and, and all kinds of bad news stories leading up to this. And perhaps VJ will come to you after, Michael, if that's OK, because I know you've possibly got a theory around this. But um, do you think the Series S rattled Sony a little bit or do you think they were actually prepared for this from the very beginning?
4: Uh, I think they knew. Um, the, the, the problem is that the Series S has been... A kind of a terrible secret for a very long time so yeah. i personally knew about the series s and, and mm. what it was back in november
0: right blimey last um, year
4: yeah. yeah yeah so i'd spoke to a couple of developers and mm. it was mentioned that it was already on the cards in terms of documentation that had been shared around the family of consoles it was already mm. given to them in in their sdk xdk stuff that they'd started to kick off in terms of the next generation of console so the problem with with the industry is is everyone knows what everyone else is doing up to a point. So they know their strategic plans, they don't know their detailed plans. But I think this this generation has been kind of, kind of the strangest because it's been the one where I think people have been playing um, very clandestine and, and almost, you know, double, triple jeopardy on on each other <laughs> by, by fainting and faking information. So I know that Sony have put out fake leaks only have put out fake um ui videos to see if people are leaking them and i know microsoft's done the same thing so it's oh, interesting <laughs> it's all become very very delicate in terms of who knows what and who's mm-hmm. leaking what because i didn't want to repeat what happened last time where i think pretty much everyone knew everything before it even actually got announced whereas this time it was right up to the end very very well unknown. i think a lot of people were, you know suspected what was going to happen and i think the price was was kind of a given as as luke just mentioned i mean the the actual Blu-ray itself is very cheap. I did a video on it a couple of months ago when I did the pricing on these consoles. And because of the fact that it's all about business strategy and, and cost cost of sale is not the cost of the unit. Everything's about what it's going to cost in the next six months, what it's going to cost in the next 12 months, next 18 months. So companies don't sell things knowing it's going to be cheaper later on or they don't sell it on the price now. They sell it what it's going to be in six, 12 months time. And that's why they're, they're doing which I won't touch on, but the, the cost of games and all that is kind of understood and expected. And they're, trying, they're going to drive that revenue stream from PSN, the same way as Xbox is doing with Game Pass, because that's guaranteed revenue. And the more people you've got on your ecosystem, the more effective it is for, you, for your, your cash register, effectively. So I think the cost of the consoles is, is the same as it's always been subsidized. I think this time people just paid more attention to it than ever before.
0: Well, I've got a question for you. You may be one of the few people that actually know the answer to this because, you know, let's face it, the Series S was the worst-kept secret. That's fine. We all knew that. And all of the graphics, all of the design was done. You know, Microsoft had to keep this under, under wraps or behind closed doors for an incredible amount of time. But why do you think they left it so long to reveal it? Why didn't they do it uh, not long after the Series X, do you think? what What, what was the reason for holding on to this information?
4: I, I, I don't know, but it was it was definitely tactical. So I think mm. it was to do with the fact that they didn't know how cheap Sony would go with the digital. Right. I think that's what. Um, and 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 on a personal opinion, I, I was the price I did. I I kind of priced it twice. I priced it at two nine nine when I predicted the price without a did drive and three twenty nine three forty nine with. Um, I'm still surprised they didn't do it with a drive um, mm. simply because market that's going to buy that a lot are some of the 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 third not third world but some of the lower level of countries that don't have access to good internet and don't have huge amounts of revenue and don't spend crazily like the uk does europe does and america does on on consumer items they're really going to struggle with a completely digital item that doesn't have very good connection over their country downloading what is potentially going to be you know games that are 60 70 gig on average so that's why I, i was surprised they did a diskless version. But I think that was because the cost had to come in at 299 So I, w- I wouldn't be shocked, to my very core, to think that they had a disc version ready and they were going to pick one or the other.
0: That's a very interesting point. I've never really thought about it before. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an always-online machine, isn't it? And it's the one thing that kind of you know, put the nail in the coffin of the Xbox One back in 2013 to have that sort of always-on online sort of capability. But obviously, a discless, you know, on all digital versions, nothing without being online, really, is it? That's a very good point. Um, no,
4: no. no, 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 no but, but my Xbox were ahead of the game back then. That's, yeah, yeah that's they were. Sure. And, yeah.
0: and they took a bit of a kick in for it at the time. And um I think it Sony, did, a very good... I think Sony are very good at, and we'll probably touch upon this later. I think Sony are very good at uh, letting Microsoft take a kick in, and then come along and do exact same thing once it's all sort of calmed down a little bit. But um, uh, Vijay, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. what's your take on this then? So, so talk for talk us through the pricing and where you think Sony pitched it, and whether Microsoft influenced them in any way.
2: Well, I just want to put out a disclaimer that anything that I'm about to say is everything is influenced by Michael's videos. So <laughs> Incorrect. <his laughs> <laughs> so um i think i think from sony's perspective and i would suggest any small or even like major corporation for that matter would have numerous strategies and scenarios and clear objectives laid out mm-hmm. months if not years before investing into what i don't know what you can call them best laid plans perhaps um the 49939 price point i think was inevitable mm-hmm. some say only after xbox showed their hand and i can point to a few reasons as to why i believe sony had already planned out like the PS5 pricing and obviously taking into consideration what the PS4 pricing is going to be going forward. I mean, they're a Japanese company and they're very, very conservative, hence a 10T flop machine. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just getting there before any Sam- Sony fanboys get excited. <laughs> so, um, I didn't see Sony sort of pricing themselves in such a way to sort of self-inflict, um, I don't know what you can call it, a stutter in their business plan. Mm-hmm. You- May say that Sony were forced into a three nine nine or digital price point since Sony don't have an answer to Game Pass. That's true to a degree, I would say. Um, however, uh, this was a known fact to Sony right already, and I think they pretty much already factored it factored that in right, especially with this new um, uh, what was it PlayStation Plus. Um, uh, Narrative, right, that they've come out with, but which I think was a point further down the line. But um, but there are some factors to consider why they went to three ninety nine. First of all, it served them really well in terms of the PlayStation Four and the success that that uh, brought them, right. Uh, the price point is also I think key uh, for the volume of sales that they want to do longer term, and more importantly, the software tie ratio that they want to achieve, mm-hmm. which I think right now is over 10, 10 to one, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital is where Sony and Xbox see the future. And they're withdrawing from retail quicker than we think, right? Mm. In Japan already, um, Microsoft has pretty much no uh, retail facings and Sony don't really care, right? And we know about, you know, GameStop uh, closing another 450 stores. Is that a choice of Microsoft or is
0: that because sort of Japanese retails turn its back on
2: Microsoft? <laughs> the, the problem in Asia with Microsoft is that even the Japan office only has 10 people there. Wow. It's a liaison office. They don't even have an, an officially appointed distributor. Wow. I mean, just, just to sort of just sidetrack just for a moment, just to give you an example, the original Xbox 360 sold 1.5 million units in Japan. And to give you an idea how far they've fallen and how far, what, how distracted they were or how uninterested they were, it might be a better word, for mm-hmm. on the Xbox One, that's only sold 125,000 units, okay. right? Just to give you an idea where they're at in Asia. So just getting back to Sony, so for me, $50 was never going to be enough incentive to drop uh, a physical disk-based machine for a digital one. And, um, and as Michael just alluded to, the digital machine for both Microsoft and Xbox is uh, pretty much a virtual cash register. Mm. The economics, since going into the game industry, producing a console and launching it, In 2013, uh, for Xbox and Sony, uh, have changed to a massive degree, um, a a large magnitude, right, of savings are are being made right now in comparison to seven years ago. So you've got reduced manufacturing costs via DADC, uh, which is Sony's uh, Mm Blu-ray and CD production plant, right, which I think is in Europe, if you just take Europe, I think they're based in Austria, Spain, and I think the British British one is actually being closed down or is closed. Mm-hmm. You've got massive reductions then uh, by default in physical logistics and manpower sales reps fees uh, because in America, the states are so big. I don't think Sony or anyone, maybe not even Activision, have their own sales rep network throughout all the US states, right? And those fees are two to three percent. You've got retailer margins, which can you know, standard is twenty, but by the time you add in MDF and, and all the other um, all the other benefits of the Raja retailers, that can easily c- exceed like twenty five to twenty eight, even up to thirty percent. You've got returns, you've got the second hand market, you've got I mean, you're probably not going to see, you remember that famous um, Sony video from last gen where they were showing, um, I don't know if it was Yoshida and somebody else sharing a, a physical game between friends, right? You don't see anything like that this time around. And um, the biggest one being digital sales of full price games have gone up probably from 15 to 20% up to up to 70% from, from when I was publishing games. And Sony or Microsoft, both they're both in the same boat in this in this way, are making, I think, around $27 on a $60 first party game, mm-hmm. uh, digital versus selling it through GameStop so Sony and Xbox care about the install base regardless of what Phil Spencer says because first-party games 10 to 1 uh, 10 to 1 software tire ratio digital sales uh, lots of accessories uh, install base is definitely where the true profits lie and specifically for Sony's business plan I think going forward until they see changes um, that they think that they need to make, right, to their, uh, to their current business plans. And at the moment, I think it's just business as usual for them yeah um <clears throat> yeah that's a very valid point to be honest and, and to be honest you
0: know as gamers with you know boots on the ground as it were it's it's easy to just get lost in the in the final price without actually seeing all of the the company structure and, and all of the thought and detail that goes on behind the scenes and I, I really enjoy all of that aspect because it's actually what comes up with the final costing for these machines and obviously how they square up um to one another as well puxley um so, what's your take on the prices? I mean, wh- where do you think Sony sits? Do you think they've done enough? So, given given that the power narrative probably sits with Microsoft, um, and and it's the same price as obviously the top tier PS5. Do you think PlayStation
1: Five have have priced these uh, well? In hindsight, yes, I do, because um, I know when you know before anyone any one of us knew what these prices were, and we kept speculating what we think they could have been. Um, at least from what we've talked about in the past and from what I've seen online as well, a lot of people were um, guesstimating that they believed that oh, you know, due to the the power of the PS5, it couldn't be anywhere below $500, 500 pounds, whatever. Um, but now that we have seen the price and obviously it's matched to the Series X, and when you actually look at the technical specs of each machine as well, you can see that they're actually very balanced and they're very similar. Uh, for example, both of them are running Zen 2 8-core um, CPUs, they I mean their GPUs are a bit different we've got ten point, ten point two eight 10.28 to 12 teraflops they've both got custom rdna 2 gpu architectures that they're using uh you know similar ssd storage both custom nvme um so looking at it from that side of things in the t- in, from the uh, technical background i think it's quite easy to see that actually they have priced it at the perfect point so and making it the exact same price as the series x as well which is obviously the the top competitor that are going against it's they're pretty much leaving it to the consumer at this point to say they're both the same price. They both basically do exactly the same thing. We've shown you the tech specs for each of these top tier machines. It's now up to you to pick the machine that you want to play any particular game on. Um, but then that is where I think the where the value of the games come in comes into play now, because we've had a lot of talk about the consoles themselves, the power of the machines. What we've seen graphically, what we can do, and the types of things we can achieve with you know new SSD technology built into these things, faster load times, and all the rest of it. Um, but now this is where the games come in. I think it's, it's been mentioned a few times already um, between Michael and Vijay, I believe, about the prices of games and how they're naturally going to go up. But then equally, I mean, I know you can't stop business due to what the way the world is in. But at the same time, people are going to use that to talk about. prices of games now because I think Sony have said that PS5 games will now retail for $70, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um and this is for me, this is where it kind of pulls back to the value of things like Game Pass because for one monthly uh, one monthly fee you can get all of these first party titles and a a ever growing number of third party titles for what I consider to be a cheaper price overall. I mean if I was to play two games via Game Pass I've then saved money that would have cost me through buying games on the PlayStation. And I believe there's been an article that Jim Ryan has put out recently as well saying that they like a subscription model doesn't work for their business, which is perfectly fine. It's perfectly reasonable. If they don't believe a subscription model works for them, they're completely in the right to do so. Um, but it does make me question why they think that, because I mean as a consumer or someone has used Game Pass for just over a year now, I can 100 percent see its value, especially with things like EA play coming into the mix now for no extra added cost to the consumer. It's so many more big third party titles coming into the roster for that same price point so i don't know why sony wouldn't have considered this so i'm i'm not quite sure so in terms of the console price point i think they've done it perfectly because it's yeah. it's a direct competition to to the competitor I mean, and to talk about the digital version as well going for um so i think there's been a lot of comments online saying that the only real difference between the digital and the non-digital ps5 is the disk drive and in terms of like a commercial off-the-shelf Blu-ray drive, I and mean, you're not talking a ninety pounds difference. At least that's the difference in the in the UK price. So a lot of people are questioning why it is a big difference. But I think as as Vijay and Michael have alluded to already, you know, you're trying to get people onto the digital bandwagon, get bring it onto a cheaper price point so you can deliver your games for the digital storefront solely. And of course, these companies then taking a larger revenue overall because you're not having to give a cut to the retailer. Um yep. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they've done good. It's just now where the games sit now. I believe. Okay, well that brings us
0: neatly onto the next point, and I'm coming to you, Michael, next. If that's all right. Before I do, I'm just going to quickly put a shout out to our our guardians of the chat. They do need a special mention. We have um, fun speculation, Fugly, and Mr. Tushi. They are they are guarding the perimeter fence. And our chat is friendly and nice because we have people keeping an, an eye out for, for trolls and horrible comments and things like that. You know, I want this to be a, a safe and, you know, a good community for us to be within. And I don't want trolls and stuff spouting their rubbish. So I've got quite a tough stance on those. But thanks to those guys. So that's fun speculation. Mr. Tushy and Fugly, like I say, um, guarding the perimeter fence, keeping all the ne'er-do-wells out. But um, so <laughs> big up those. Um, no, so nice. Michael. Michael. Yes. Do you think Sony have actually increased the the value of Game Pass on on behalf of Microsoft? Because if they've just upped their first party titles to, well, basically upped it by 10 dollars. I know not all first party titles come in at the seventy dollar price, depending on the size of the game and stuff. But um, have they just actively and, and done Microsoft a huge favor in, in in like I say, increasing the value of Game Pass? What do you think?
4: I think commercially, marketing, yeah, absolutely. It it would be a good marketing point for somebody in Microsoft to pick up on it and and go forward with that argument. The the problem there will be that and we we already know, and I'm pretty sure that Sony won't be the only ones to put their prices up this generation. Certainly at the start, so it's quite common to have a an increase at the start of a generation for a few t- certain titles and then dropping back down. I don't see that happening this time. I see this staying as the consistent. And there's the whole very true argument that you know we're paying we're paying the same price, give or take, that we used to pay 20 years ago for for much longer and bigger games. And that's that kind of brings it back to the point that um was made a minute ago. Was it? Was it Puxley or Luke that was talking a moment ago around the Game Pass? Puxley. Puxley, yeah. Sorry, Puxley, sorry. So that I think what Jim was alluding to in his, his argument in in terms of why Game Pass doesn't work, it's because the Game Pass subscription model is is diluted across everyone that's on the platform. So that the the mechanism they've got as a business is they they take people's games on board, and then whoever downloads those games, they give them a cut of that percentage, so that they're getting revenue the whole time it's on Game Pass. So it's guaranteed revenue, depending on how often that game is downloaded and played. The problem with Sony is you can't underestimate how expensive their games are, and this is not—I'm sure there'll be a lot of people complaining about me being a Sony fanboy, but. It's quite clear in terms of the production values of of the first party Sony games that they, they are not cheap. There's mm. there's no way on on God's little earth they're cheap. When I mean when I mean cheap, I mean even bigger games like something like Call of Duty would probably be much cheaper over two years of a generation in terms of two years of a, of a two cycle game than one massive something like you know Last of Us Part Two or God of War because. Mm. They use so much outsourcing. They use a lot of third parties. They use a lot of companies to do materials, animation routines, videos. They they really go out for this whole, and they're, they're really pushing it again this generation. So I think their aim is not They're trying to diversify from what Microsoft and PC do. And the only way that they can exist is what Nintendo's done. But I think Sony have taken the route of becoming the the Hollywood of video games. The the logo they've done now very much reminds me of um, the Marvel Universe logo with the the Sony logo, the PlayStation logo passing past with all these games in the background. And I think they're going to push that IP to try and claw back a lot of that revenue. And that's what they're doing early on in the generation. So, they are going to put prices up it will make xbox more attractive it will make pc more attractive i think because the mm. pricing there will be $10 maybe even 10-15 pounds cheaper to buy on uh, you know these these um, third party titles or first party that are going to go on pc and, and xbox as well so it is it is a very tough push for sony because they've got to really show the quality but i think that's i think anyone can understand that they've got that history behind them they just need to be consistent more than ever in the early couple of years of the ps5 they they can't afford to have duds if they're charging people 70 pound a game so i wouldn't call it a dud but i think i think days gone was a great game but i don't think it hit quite the the beat that they wanted in terms of impact on the market and sales and i think that's that's the risk they take with the amount of diversity they have in their catalog they allow teams to make games that probably wouldn't get greenlit elsewhere with bigger companies like ea or activision so it's good that they still exist but they do need to spend a lot of time in the next year or so making sure and i'm sure they have that they've got a portfolio that makes the ps5 almost you know unquestionable you have to have it with your other console and some of us are lucky you know we can have multiple consoles and that and that's that's always a benefit but other people can't so sony really are going to compete against i've got to make a game that's 70 pound that you cannot live without versus i can pay 10 pound a month and play you know, 100 and 200 tiles, and pick and choose what I want, and that that's a very tough battle, I think, for Sony.
0: I think it's a huge risk, um, and, and I absolutely take your point. And I'm coming to you next, VJ, if you don't mind, uh, and, and we'll we'll run with that same theme because. I do take your point, uh, Michael. You know, Sony have some vastly, you know, fantastic IPs and franchises out there. And we've discussed on the show previously that, you know, when they give a Naughty Dog or when Naughty Dog sort of pitches to Sony and Sony lights something, I think Sony can kind of sit back and feel relatively comfortable that Naughty Dog and Insomniac are going to churn out some some pretty top-tier game. Um, Microsoft are still yet to prove themselves with a lot of their studios. A lot of them are new acquisitions and still yet actually to put out any software for Microsoft solely. So, do you think um, you know a Microsoft so far behind that um, that they can't fend off the the first party titles from Sony in a sort of a one to one showdown? Yeah. Which which again makes Game Pass you know even better value. Or, or do you think, like Michael said, that you know Sony's IPs are so cherished and valuable that they can actually they can actually hold a seventy dollar
2: price tag and people will still love and buy it? Just to answer the studio thing, this is the way I see the studios, is Sony have been out of this for far, far longer, right? Their studios have been together, what, 15, 20 years? And I think they're far more cohesively structured, I think, with um, Herman Hulse coming in, really defines that, because he's been on both sides of the equation, pitching to Sony for funding for a game for his studio, and being on the inside in understanding what the quality benchmarks are for first-party titles, right? He's been through the hu- all of that. I think that they have more of a hive mentality and they work more as a team because they've just had time to mature. And I think we're, when I look at um, uh, Microsoft, it's a bit like um, Man City. Well, I think it's probably Brighton probably um, because <laughs> what they've done is that they've gone out and bought a load of studios. I and any it. one of them is potential sorry?
4: I could see where you were going with that one then. Yeah,
2: sorry. Yeah, it's just just me, isn't it? On my own. Uh, Thanks, Michael, for popping in. (laughs) Um, So so what I see is that uh, with Microsoft Studios, any one of them, could they sort of perform um, a moment of brilliance? Yes, they probably can, but they just haven't matured together. They're all still working in silos. And I think that's the fundamental difference at the moment, right? And if... And if Game Pass was going to be all that and um, all that and a cup of tea, uh, I think that Microsoft would have gone out and bought bigger studios rather than uh, some of the ones that they have done. And it kind of shows you that they want to have a, a broader. Um, Playground buffet of, of digital games that you can go and play. And I've no issues with that, right? Because they span across all different genres uh, for all different makeup of people. And hopefully they're going to have more IPs that uh, span the globe, right? Especially given their X Cloud initiative. But to uh, So I'll just part that for the moment, just to go back to like, in terms of the game prices and everything. I've got a similar to Michael, but slightly different, which I, I think it might be a valid point. I don't know, but I'll see what happens after I say this. So besides the investments Sony, Nintendo and Microsoft are putting into making a console, I'm sure that given the advancements in these games, and the sizes of games and what we're going to see in three or four years time i'm sure that every studio has had to somewhat overhaul their it infrastructures and console development uh, environments to accommodate these new systems i don't know but i'm just assuming the kind of stuff that uh, all, all this little stuff that has to get done and adds up that means more powerful pcs larger bacon sandwiches bigger and a fridge and a larger fridge of ice cold kit kats so tearing down engines and rebuilding them uh, is a massive investment. And again, if anyone's got any issues with this, speak to Michael. Uh, this is a this is a massive investment of resources. Uh, I, I recommend if anybody hasn't watched the Brazen Kratos document, documentary, because I learned and acknowledged a lot from it for, for personal. I've watched it a couple of times. However, none of the games that I have seen so far deserve the $70 price point in my time, in my in my eyes, let's just put it that way, right? Because for me, they seem to be made on a baseline PS4 engine, as far as I can tell, with bells and whistles, addled, uh, bells and whistles, uh, whistles added. Mm-hmm. However, if Sony were going to increase the price point of their games, they needed to do it now to avoid a bigger PR storm later down the road, right? Get it out of the way, take the hit, and move forward, right? So it's not so much about the games releasing now, it's more about what's coming further down the pipeline. First game, first party games can cost can cost more to make. We know that, right? And who knows what Santa Monica or, or Naughty Dog are going to do, right? In order to push the boundaries um, in terms of the products that they make, right? And mm-hmm. they, they very well, they very may well justify seventy dollars in terms of what um, Microsoft are showcasing us, right? We know they've got Fable, we know they've got Avowed, but I, I can't see beyond those two at the moment, right? And maybe what the coalition coalition are doing, right? Which again, we don't know. What I will say for now is that we will, should be seeing a range of pricing for first-party games, depending on what the game is. Right? For me, is the next? I play a lot of golf games, so I play everybody's golf. So let's just mm-hmm. take that example. Am I going to be charged seventy dollars for that? Because I ain't going to pay that, right? No, Min- Sony.
0: Sony have. Uh, I think um, the Little Planet um, boy – I mean, there there the, the is a, a variation in prices yeah, depending on their size. I even think Miles Morales is
2: slightly cheaper, isn't it? I believe but I. I think we've got the same problem this gen, though, right? Because there's many games that are $60 that are not worth it. right? Resident Evil 3 being a prime example. Other titles yeah. that have come out, like Zelda, Dragon Quest, Persona 5, that gives me 100 hours or 200 hours of engagement. I would have happily have paid $80 or $100 for those games versus maybe my perception of Yoshi's Island, which I love Yoshi, I love the uh, Nintendo brands, I love enjoying them, uh, uh, and I paid $60 for it. And for me, it's done in eight hours. It's only really worth to me 30 to $40 max. So we've got this issue now. I, I put out a tweet back in June when everyone was complaining, oh, game prices are gonna go up and this is happening and that's happening. But our Japanese gaming cousins have been paying 45 to $85 for a game since the PlayStation 2 era, depending on the game, depending if it was Japan only, because developers and everybody are making it for a specific segment, a specific genre, games like Captain Tsubasa and so on and so forth, right? So as an example, recent releases in Japan for Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima when it came out was $71. Call of Duty, is it Cold War you guys are playing? I, I'm mm-hmm. not Yeah. Yeah that's 83 dollars right and ps4 games are ranked between 45 to 95 and i think at the end of the day as an individual you just got to sort of ask the question does one size fit all? one i don't think it does but does does it make game parts more valuable it, it all depends on on your situation and gaming habits if you want to sort of move over to a digital great playground of uh, a buffet of games, and then so be it. And they contain some decent first-party games and a, and a varied quality of uh, sort of rotating in and out third-party games, right? Game Pass in its own right is not the finished article. It's definitely missing God of War uh, and, a, and a Spider-Man comparable titles, right? Uh, or anything that's sort of in the realms of a, of a cutting-edge experience. I, I know they've had Red Dead Redemption, but it's, it's come in and gone out, right? This is why... Sony, and I, I'm just sort of back, uh, tacked, on, tacked on to the back of uh, Microsoft need to make sure that they triple down on first-party uh, titles that they're producing in terms of creativity and bringing the, at the forefront sort of, like I don't know how to put it, uh, explosive new experiences right that blow the public away because Playground Games is one studio that I see in the uh, Xbox uh, stable of, um, of teams that can produce something that will definitely elevate Game Pass. Yep. Right now, Game Pass for me... Is akin to Microsoft Office minus Word and Outlook and maybe even PowerPoint.
4: <laughs> what an analogy that was! Yeah, amazing. I like it. <laughs> I don't know if
0: Playground Games would be so welcome about that, but uh, are they are they working on a Horizon title at all, or is they, are they completely working on the new Fable title? Do we know? No, they they have
3: two two teams. They
0: yeah. do. So there is a Horizon, um, Forza Horizon, in the works then, because that's not yeah. been announced whatsoever. And do we think that's sooner than Fable? I'm guessing it is.
2: Pro-
3: uh, I, probably. I mean, Fable's are, are, are a weird game because they have been working on that for a while, mm. uh, a couple of years. However, they've been constantly scaling up their, their dev team for that, moved into new premises for it. As well, yeah. so um, I suspect it's probably quite ambitious, and given we only got a CG teaser yeah, yeah. after a couple of years of development, suggests so to me it's probably quite. Well,
0: I'm, I, I'm guessing they didn't want to steal Forza Motorsports Thunder as well because that's obviously due before any Horizon game. I'm guessing, but um, well, while you're talking, then Luke, let's come to you next, and we're going to slightly change tack. So, um, obviously, after the event, it, it became clear that actually not all of these the titles that were thought or assumed to have been PS5 only titles are uh, they are actually coming to the PS4 as well, which obviously means Sony is spanning the generations, despite on um, the sort of the take on Jim Ryan's statement at the time so as far as i'm aware um miles morales is coming to ps4 which was not a massive shock to me i always thought miles morales probably started life as a ps4 dlc um and then that was actually pushed out and extended to become a sort of a ps5 sort of title um sack boys coming to ps4 but the surprise for me was um horizon forbidden west and it was probably a surprise because I, I always thought it was a little bit further out but you know and it's <clears throat> this is a sort of a microsoft thing isn't it this is actually probably good news but it's being sort of made to look like jim jim ryan outright lied and to a certain degree um when when you read the whole article that jim ryan mentioned he was actually talking about still having to support the 110 million PS4 players out there and stuff. So I'm not sure he outright lied, but I, I would also suggest that when he said was speaking about generations, he was probably comparing that to Microsoft's stance at the time, which was obviously we support and span generations. Um, and so I think, you know, the the gaming media at large and lots of fans and stuff took it that actually... Sony are going to shut the door on, on PS4 and then just concentrate on PS5, and that's the reason everyone gets to upgrade. And also in the um, Sony June event, um, Puxley and I did a live reaction video, and it was, it was very black and white that this title is for PS4, this title is for PS5. There was no mention whatsoever of cross-generation. So a little bit like we alluded to earlier, do you think Sony sort of – always had this in their back pocket, and, and before they had a chance to announce it, Microsoft already had, and then was taking all of the flack, and Sony sort of slinked back into the sort of shadows and waited for Microsoft to take all of that particular heat before they came out with their own sort of version of it. Is that Was that the plan all along, do you think? Um, I, I think so. Um, well, I, I don't know, actually. Um,
3: I think... I think the thing with Sony is that, uh, at least in the original event, uh, you know, it, it's it's a PlayStation 5 showcase. It's it's all about the PlayStation 5. And um, this is the same for this event. So um, it's, you know, th- they wanted to focus on the PS5 versions of those games. Um, there's no doubt, obviously, that Miles Morales in particular and probably Horizon Forbidden West were all made with a PlayStation 4 in mind. I mean, Forbidden hmm. West released at the beginning of... Near the beginning of twenty seventeen, yeah. so there's there's absolutely no way um, that they didn't consider a, a PlayStation Four version uh, and and start developing
0: around that because. So, so why don't you think they came out and was honest from the beginning? What why why that why the we believe in generations statement then? Do you think?
3: Um, I mean, well, I think you're probably right in that um, they wanted to get out ahead of or. or right behind microsoft you know when microsoft's very clear cross-gen message um and make themselves look a little better than that um i mean they you know they have games that are uh coming that are uh clearly just for playstation 5 like ratchet for example uh possibly demon souls they they might turn around and say there's a playstation 4 version as well um but um i i think it's just uh i think it's just sony being quite um clever about when they want to talk about these things. And, you know, the nature of those announcements of Horizon and Spider-Man as, as PS4 games in of itself was 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 very kind of, oh yeah, you know, we'll just we'll just tell you about this in a post, you know, rather than get right up front and and, and talk to people about it. So um I think I think it's I think as you say it's probably just Sony looking to to uh get some get some goodwill up front uh and then kind of coyly put in uh, something that might be negatively received at the back end. Um, for me, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't think it particularly matters. We, we always have cross-generational games, uh, you know, every, every single generation, um, particularly the last the last couple, um, you know, and it, it doesn't... When Miles Morales looks as good as it does, does it matter? Not really. Uh, when horizon you know assuming it lives up to the the initial trailer does it matter no um and it's and it's always to me made more sense that sony would would um kind of espouse the cross-generational element you know support the playstation 4 than microsoft because microsoft have a much smaller install base mm. so so you know for for sony it's it's going to be you know, not difficult, but it's it's more of a thing to leave that generation behind because they have a mm-hmm. they have you know a, a, a huge install base. Um, whereas it always surprised me that Microsoft took that approach um, because you know <clears throat> the Xbox One generation has not been good for them. You know, apart from the back end where they've you know Game Pass etc. Really good value. Um, it's not been a good one, and, and I, I always thought they'd try and get as far away from that as possible. But on the other hand, it's very pro-consumer, so uh, and that's the direction they want to go in because you know that's the, the avenue that they think that they can they can really
0: have a lot of goodwill get people to their platform. So um, it's it's interesting. It is interesting. Um, Pucks, is what's going on in the in the chat at the moment?
1: Um, a lot of people kind of agreeing, and a small bit of to and fro between. Uh, the Sony narrative at the moment between the PS4 support. Uh, I've seen a comment here from uh, Dragon Wolf. Thanks for tuning yep. in. Saying uh, saying that, uh, I think your initial comments for that, he says, uh, I think you're being generous uh, as they defo deceived the fans, even stealth dropped the info after the event. Yeah, that's
0: a very good point, actually. It, yeah, that, okay, I'll take your point on that one, um, Dragon Wolf, because it wasn't perhaps... It's not so much the actual information itself. It's probably how they sort of stealth dropped it after the event. And I'm, I'm guessing they were never. So this is the weird thing. That, to me, this should be kind of a good news story. And I know Microsoft find themselves in this situation. You know, sort of good news stories kind of turned on its head and stuff. But this should be a good news story because, like I say, at, the, at this moment in time, there's 110 million PS4 owners out there and there's absolutely zero PS5 owners out there. So there should be 110 sort of uh, million happy. Happy-ish sort of people. I know people want the generations to move forward, and perhaps, perhaps I'll come to you next, uh, Michael,
1: if that's all right. Um, uh, before, kind of... before, sorry, before you do move on, just to quickly add on to those comments as well, if you don't mind. Cool. Um, because dragmorph did actually agree with another comment, which kind of I think cements the back and forth between, I think we all kind of agree and disagree of both sides, which I think makes this makes it interesting to discuss, so a comment here from Fastback OG NLG podcast, thanks again for tuning in, so Mm. they say, just makes sense financially to support PS4, with many millions more than those who will have a PS5 at launch, production issues also played a part, thanks to 2020, which is also very true, it's the other side of the coin, right, so yes, we're not completely crossing that cross generational gap, but at the same time to support the PS4 does mean more revenue and money for Sony. So it does kind of make sense, but equally I can see why people might be a bit miffed that they have, quote-unquote, gone back on their word.
0: Okay, well, to, to round this first this first topic off then, let's come to you then, Michael. I mean, what's your take on this? I mean, I guess in my heart of hearts, I always kind of knew they were going to have to support the PS4 um, they could they could never really just shut the door and turn their back on them. I don't think that was ever likely to happen. I just don't understand the sort of the messaging out of the event. Even even when we come down to the pre-order sort of debacle, it was all a little bit sort of, it seemed, didn't seem very well organised or ordered. It all seemed to just sort of blurt out at the end, didn't it? What, what's your take on it?
4: Well, I mean, in, in terms of the um, cross-gen titles, it was kind of, it was always known. I mean, I, I think i on the original reveal, I said that I'll be surprised if Verizon is not on PS4. And that was months ago, because as you've just both said, quite rightly, you can't ignore 110 million people and you're not going to, and that's going to grow. That's the other thing that, the PS4 will grow. It will probably reach 150, 120 million people. So there is going to be games on that console for the next year to two years, I, I believe. I know, I think Jim Ryan said the next four years. I, I think he's being very generous in that to keep sales going, but certainly in certain countries it will be. But that all makes sense. And I think that Getting angry about having cross-generation titles just misses the point because, I mean, the PS4, that had, what, seven launch titles um, of which only three were exclusive. The rest of them were cross-generation. Hmm. So there was Killzone. Um, what was it? Killzone, Resogun, and Knack. And everyone knows that Knack was the game of the generation. So um, <laughs> it, that's that's kind of a given that we've now got the same situation again where you've got Demon Souls... Uh, is the Little Big Planet one? Is that is that cross generation? That's exclusive, isn't it? Is that yes. No,
0: no, it's cross generation. Oh, yeah. Sackboy, it's yeah. Big, yeah,
4: yeah, Sackboy. Um, there's that that crash. No.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, Mars Morales, Sackboy. Is there any others? Perhaps the chat can tell us. No, I think I think it's
3: just
4: those three that yeah they're they're
3: they're from, Yeah,
4: yeah. So it's it's almost the same situation as the PS4. I, I think what what. <laughs> The biggest problem nowadays, I think, is, is a lot of companies are falling into the social media bubble, as I call it, in the sense of they feel as if you have to get one up. And, and I think if you go back to the management structure in terms of companies, it was a very different time in 2013. But they did the same thing. You just alluded to it now with the conversation about when Microsoft did the no-use games, Sony jumped on board with this, here's how you play used games on the PS4. It was funny. It was witty. It was right at the time. But they're in the situation now where Microsoft should have done a similar thing. Um and, and generational gag and and that's where yeah,
0: you know what i'm pleased you said that i was thinking that because microsoft could do a, a 30 second video saying this is how you play backwards compatible games and they stick an og disc um in a in a you know xbox series x and it works and like you say that's that's the sort of shot back isn't it
4: yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, if that's the marketing game and it's, if it's friendly and it's jivey, I mean, we're all old enough to remember the old Sega days and then Sega mm. and Nintendo went hell for leather and Sega were well known for their kind of aggressive marketing in terms of what yeah. they used to do all the time. So it's, I mean, didn't Sega put an advert in front of the Sony offices in London when they launched the Dreamcast? I'm sure they did. So <laughs> it, it's, it's a very, it's a more civilized environment now for advertising, but I don't think anyone picks up on the fact that they could they could market themselves better. And I think Sony, bringing it back to them, my point, was Sony were almost afraid to kind of revert on what they'd said. They saw Sony, Microsoft has gone about, everyone comes with us, generations don't matter anymore, we're just going to keep making Xbox One games. And everyone knows that's not realistic. Microsoft knows that's not realistic. That's just mm-hmm. a marketing slogan. But I think what Sony should have done is just let them have that moment. Instead, they came back with a generation comment And I think somebody somewhere would have gone, "Eh, maybe we shouldn't have said that because we've Mm. got to tell you about these PS4 games that are coming as well. And they almost got afraid. They're a victim of their own comment there. They've kind of said it first and then gone, oh, actually, we've got to come out and say it. And I think the worst thing you can do with bad news is do what they did, which is not say it. And I think just on another subject, the whole pre-order thing was another bit of a disaster. They shouldn't have done it the way they did it. Now, they might have had a reason. Uh, to stop bots, to give people the time to jump on the, the sites and, and snatch all the PS5s and scalp them. Because the, the PS5 and the X, Series X would be the big ticket scalping items, much more than the 3080 was, although that didn't really exist. And I, I've got a story to tell on that that's frustrated the hell out of me. But okay. um, it, it's it's funny that they didn't kind of give people a heads up when they told them they were going to give them a heads up. And I think what we've seen this year is is... Every company has dropped the ball in marketing over and over again. And I really don't know why. I can only say that, bringing it back to something that Vijay said earlier, Sony Studios are very good at working collectively as as a unit. And I've said this before, they share resources, skills, technology, everything. That's how they make the games they make. But when people got forced to not work in an office, you have to be very good at managing teams virtually. And I, I do that a lot. And it's very hard when you haven't done that, to to keep that momentum and that conversation going, when you're not standing around the coffee machine having a chat with John about something else that's going on, all that's gone at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's really affected the marketing teams. And that, I think that's been evident this year with a lot of balls dropped from both sides of the fence, which I think that's, that's the biggest problem I think Sony have had at the moment is they've not marketed themselves well. They've been too quiet for too long. And then they've almost said one thing and then done another, but if you read between the lines, it was all there. It just wasn't very clearly mentioned. I mean, I've seen information about the fact that no one knows about backwards compatibility and the digital version doesn't play any PS4 titles. And it's it's all there on the blog. You can go on the website and look at it. Same as you can for the Series X. I read up on the Velocity Architecture when it launched and people were saying, oh, this new Velocity Architecture. And I'm like, did you not read the Xbox blog two months ago? It was on there then. It's not new information. So I think people are just used to being spoon fed rather than reading things. And I think that's that's what these companies have missed this time. They've not they've not been clear with their messaging. They've been a little bit chaotic.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And to me, it always felt like they were kind of in a mosh pit and they had a sort of a, a dagger each and they were kind of dancing around each other waiting for the, you know, waiting for the other one to make the first move. And I think Sony are very good at that. You know, they do sort of sometimes hold back and wait for Microsoft to make the first move um, or, or make a mistake, perhaps, and then capitalize on it. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft, this time, I think they've 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 clocked Sony's game, and they thought, no, we, you know, we'll hold back a little bit then, and that's why perhaps, perhaps, you know, they were holding off on the Series S information and just sort of calling Sony's bluff on the who's going to blink first kind of narrative. But,
4: so. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Oh, Jen, so I absolutely appreciate that. I mean, this kind of rounds up our first topic, I'm afraid. And um, just as an interlude, a big shout out to the chat. Uh, we've got th- we've had 32, 33 people, I think, at a maximum watching. We've got 31 people at the moment. Thanks to everyone. Great to see everyone in the chat. Good chat going on. Um, and like I say, we've got our moderators keeping everything safe, but it all looks good and friendly at the moment, so that's always a good thing. So, um, Pucks, I'm going to come to you first. Um, and I'm coming to you from the angle of a... Probably, uh, I think you would probably admit yourself, you know, you you prefer Xbox to game on Xbox because of kind of where where your friends and stuff are. Although currently you game on a PC using the Xbox brand and you own a PS4. So you kind yeah. of span all three. So who's going to get your cash come November? I mean, are you going to upgrade your, your GPU? Is this going to be a Sony win? Is this going to be a Microsoft? Who's, who's done it enough for you to actually, you know, get you to spend your hard earned cash?
1: Um, well, for me, I've very recently upgraded to Game Pass Ultimate so that I can dive into cloud gaming, which I think is a, runs very well for how kind of still early days it is after the beta. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of at a point now where I feel I'm invested enough into Game Pass and that ecosystem on PC that to go to uh, a Series X or an S is almost a no-brainer. Um, and I probably would lean towards a Series X, not just because it's the more powerful machine, but I know the world still wants to go all digital and that it's super convenient and reliable to just download and play the games that you want. But I'm still not convinced that game file sizes followed by now internal non-changeable SSDs in these new systems, I don't feel that the capacity of storage media to date is catching up or... um improving as fast as what game file sizes are so that's one of the main reasons i much prefer to have a disk drive so that i can just buy a disk to basically be my install medium as opposed to having to constantly um install games on the system i mean when it comes to pc i mean naturally of course i don't have a cd drive in my pc anymore i you know it's all downloaded through steam or the epic store or whatever so, and or you know the xbox app on on PC, so I'm very used to downloading it, and I very much hate having to wait a long period of time to be able to play some games. So, short question, short answer is: I think Xbox is where my money is going. Come, come November.
0: Okay. Well, Luke, uh, I'll come to you next because I think you're in a very similar situation to Puxley, aren't you? I think you predominantly sort of game on PC, but you do dabble on Xbox and um, PlayStation and stuff. So, And you've actually disclosed that you've managed to secure yourself a 3080. So is that enough for you or or do you get the next generation consoles as well? Who's who's tipped the balance in your favor? Um, I I mean
3: for me um i i'll get everything so um yeah. so that, just because you know i, I think if, if you're able to and and like you know i'm a enthusiast of this hobby and uh, you know th- they all have something to offer um you know it's it's uh it, that's just kind of how i've always always tried mm-hmm. if, I've, if i've had the means so um so yeah f- for me you know i managed to get a ps5 pre order as well um, which is like the the holy grail of two pre-orders. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. what actual, you know, <laughs> the actual odds would have, of that would have been, but I, I was one of the lucky few. So, just, um, just out I, of
0: interest, did you go all digital or the disc version?
3: Uh, well, I,
0: I actually uh, I
3: went for the uh, the the disc version, but okay. only out of necessity because the the uh, the discless version seems so scarce right. um, that I thought, you know, if 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 I have to wait. For this to go up at retailers, by the time it probably does, the other version's gone, and I'd rather just get a console uh, out of the first pre-order batch. So, so I went for the for the disc drive. But um, I'm also very, very fortunate uh, that I live somewhere where we don't have VAT. So when I get mm-hmm. stuff imported, that's that's taken off. So, <laughs> um, so I got the disc version for about the same price as a as a discless one. But anyway, um, so. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be getting all of them, uh, and and I'm excited by by all of them. I mean, I, I think if you were asked you, you were going to ask me today which one, you know, when when you get it fired up, um, out of all three, will you will you kind of be the most excited about? Right now, it's the PlayStation Five, just be just okay. because, you know, just because um, I, I love Demon Souls, I love mm-hmm. spider and and they're coming right at launch, right? So for me, that's that's where it is. Um, although I will be excited to 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 try the Series X as well because I think it's a, an exceptional piece of hardware. Um but uh you know I think they've all they've all done good good things uh to try and get people's money and I think um and this kind of circles back to the to the earlier discussion as well but when when people were talking about you know value and game pass et cetera I think it's important, and and this applies for something like a, a new GPU, etc., which is obviously a lot of money compared to for a component compared to a single console. But but value is 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 entirely, you know, perceived value to a consumer, right? So, um, what is what is value to me uh, may not be value to someone else. Um, and I think the con the, both consoles and the new GPUs from Nvidia and probably Big Navi when it's finally revealed by by AMD. Mm-hmm. They'll all hold some value of someone it just depends on on your needs um and i think they've all done a good job of of showing you know even even sony uh even with their game prices right um because the value of demon souls to me uh for seventy pounds is is far greater than many game pass titles so okay. so it's good value for me it's better value for me to be invested in that because i'll get more out of it rather than having a although I do have a Game Pass subscription, I think it's great. Um, So, you know, I I think they've all done good stuff and it's going to be interesting to see um, to see kind of what people plump for, particularly in the console space, you know, what what kind of sales uh, Microsoft and Sony achieve in the first six Mm. months.
0: Well, I'm coming to you next, VJ. And I'm pleased you brought up value, Luke, and I'll, we'll obviously come to you afterwards, Michael, but I'm guessing that you'll probably get all of them because that's kind of what you do on your channel anyway. But we'll we'll cover that perhaps when we come to you. Um, Vijay, um, Luke's mentioned a good point. You know, for him, it's not really about a power narrative at all. It is purely about the game. So the fact that the Xbox is is 12 teraflops and the PS5 isn't doesn't really come into his decision about which one he's excited for. It comes down to the software. So I've got kind of two questions for you. Um which, which of the companies have probably done enough to sway you in, into sort of making sure you absolutely get a, a day-one purchase? And secondly, two-point question, um, talking of value, do you think it is a higher value proposition for for Xbox gamers to move over to PlayStation or for PlayStation guys to move over to Xbox, assuming that they were going to move from one to the other? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, and I take um, – Michael's point that, you know, the games even at 70 bucks is, you know, the, the value of those is, is so high because they are such a an intrinsic part of PlayStation that they're actually worth it. But, you know, is there going to be many Sony guys over there thinking actually the value proposition of, of Xbox is, is is just too tempting to ignore this time around? Um, There's quite a few questions there in the wall. Yeah, got... sorry. <laughs> pick, pick at them as you will.
2: <laughs> yeah, got, my brain's into 16 and they're all talking at once mm-hmm. now. Trying to get them all to shut up so I can just focus on one answer. Um, Wh- which one are you going to get first? Which one's swayed um, you enough? See, I-, I have to agree with Luke on one fundamental point: tech is fundamentally a distraction. It's all about how games engage you and the community around you, right? And I think that's the fun. It's, it's humanity that's important here, not not technology, right? And how we incorporate that into our daily lives, right? To to come mm-hmm. together. So anyway, I'll put that put that stuff aside. Um, Microsoft um, is basically the way I see it, is gambling on a cheaper machine in the Series S, plus, I don't know, if you buy it, obviously if you buy it through the all-access program, you're going to get 24 months of, um, of uh, is it Game Pass Ultimate, right? But if you're going to buy it off the shelf at $299, you are going to get, I don't know what they're bundling it with, or if at all, but let's assume it's three months of Game Pass, whatever they end up packing in. And basically for me, that's the that, that 299 price point uh, is a way to hook you in and mm-hmm. hope it's enough for your generational loyalty right and sony have the initiative of offering classic games like the ps1 ps2 ps3 if it's not back compatible uh, via free la- via free or very cheap uh, download, and then go to the classic marketing technique of future promise, right, which they're known for. And this is why I think, like games, like Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us, Final Fantasy 7 remake, Persona Five Royale, you know, all games that I've played and I enjoy it and I like those genres. So for me personally, it's, I, I understand it's completely subjective, but for me, it's been it's been a godsend. And the reason I'm saying that because those are so important at the end of a generation, Sony can can point to and consistently point to, and over decades, increase quality over lifespan, right? And mm-hmm. Xbox don't really improve as much over time. That, that's, I think, the fundamental thing that's sitting in everybody's subconsciousness, but they can't quite grasp it all, Or and then you get all this fanboy nonsense on Twitter, which I know Michael loves. Um, <laughs> given only PlayStation 4 games uh, are compatible with the PlayStation 5 and uh, the aforementioned uh, offering uh, older generation games much cheaper. Um, so Sony, what they've done is obviously countered Game Pass um, in terms of, um, instead of just offering PS2, PS3 games at $1.99 or $2.99 each, which I would have done, and or make them all free via PlayStation Now. And remember, PlayStation Now only has like, what, two million subscribers? So they could have easily packed in PlayStation. And they may still do. I don't. I don't know what their plans are, right, by territory, and pack that in as well. Mm. However, they've made... Some of the most popular uh, PlayStation 4 games available via relatively cheap subscription service, which is PlayStation Plus. I pay two dollars fifty a month. I know everyone's going to say it's sixty dollars, it's sixty pounds, it's five dollars a month, but it's always consistently on sale at fifty percent off every June, right? Plus, you receive two really decent games, really decent games every month. Um, as long as you stay subscribed, obviously. And I don't find that with uh, Game Pass Ultimate. I think the games that they offer on a monthly basis are, for me, "Ah, okay, whatever, right? Uh, It's not quite Game Pass, but I find it to be incredible value for me. Um, And uh, the the point that you're making about transitioning and and people sort of switching uh, machines and stuff like that, for me, that is an exceptional transitional tool as well. It's an excellent point uh, that you've made. But... um, you could counter all of that, right, saying that, well, hang on a minute, most PlayStation 4 gamers have already bought those. So what's the real value in it, really? Because everybody owns those games, right? Yeah. Or you can own, buy them secondhand. So an Xbox owners that uh, um, that haven't already got a PlayStation 5, if they decide to go the other way, can all of a sudden access all of these games for a relatively, relatively small monthly fee off the bat? And then the argument becomes on the Xbox guys So, hey, look, we can play God of Wars, all these other games that we mm-hmm. can't have on, on, on Xbox. Is it worth jumping ship to the other side? Right. Another for me is branding. These are Sony, some, some of Sony's and I don't know said Sony's biggest brands, and will potentially have sequels. And keeping those brands in the public eye and synonymous with PlayStation is a very smart and clever strategy. Oh, And I know that we're sort of going into the minutiae or granular level of everything that um, Sony are doing. But I think when you add it all up, there's a bigger picture there, right? The other um, is the fact that many PlayStation 4 games bought these games physical media. I did. And one of the biggest features for me on offer from next-gen consoles is the function and ability of being able to quickly switch between games and resume them, like effortless, effortless, effortlessly. Um, and play and play them like so wherever you've left off previously. I can't deny that this feature is enticing me. Someone who like likes to hoard games to go all digital, and not having to sort of pay out. Uh, Money the second time around to play these games digitally and and switch between them is a really is really important for me And I think it will be for a lot of PlayStation 5 owners finally if these games are enhanced in any way or in several ways on the PlayStation 5 at no additional cost Then absolutely. It's a great way to strengthen the the transition between PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 right however The the bigger transition tools are undoubtedly you know Miles Morales, Miles Morales and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, two, and probably God of War two as well, uh, and and whatever else they've got in store. But definitely not Final Fantasy (laughs) sixteen. Okay,
0: yeah, you wasn't impressed with that, was you? Um, (laughs) You
2: Look great,
0: (laughs) Um, Michael. So I'm going to fire a slightly different question at you. Sorry, um, but um, and it's one. This is an interesting one for me. This uh, it's basically how do you think the platform holders are going to gauge success? I mean, I know lots of fans like to talk in terms of win lose when it comes to sort of the, the console war, as it were, in, ver, in inverted commas. But how do you think the the platform holders themselves are going to gauge success? I mean, are they? I mean, they're obviously competing against each other, but are they using each other's metrics as a, as, a, as a sort of a platform to say, well, we're doing better than Microsoft or vice versa? Or do you just think they're absolutely competing against their own targets? How, how will success be measured in this coming generation? Because they're both doing very different things.
4: Well, they, they are, they are and, and they aren't. I think it all depends who you talk to in a company. So if you talk to to marketing or business growth, then they'll have a view of what's important to them. And if you talk to the the people that run companies, the the executives and the finances, then it's all about revenue. It's all about GPs. It's nothing else but that. And I think that that's that's clear in terms of everyone's going into this generation losing money. So Sony's Sony's profits are going to be down. They know this. The cost of sales is going to be down. The R&D returns going to have to come in the next 12 months. And Microsoft's got exactly the same problem. The difference is microsoft have so many other revenue streams that they can they can openly talk about subjects that are different and less critical to them as a business so they can speak about revenue streams in terms of what, what my gas service is who subscribed how how many people have got online what's my engagement like and all of that is is very valid and good marketing structures the same as companies that stress on how much they use you know for carbon uh, reductions and and how many items they've made in fact i think mark did this on the xbox there was a certain amount that were carbon free because they they mm. replaced it by planting trees and stuff so this is all good marketing and it's all good for your brand it's all good to, to promote positive pr but i think fundamentally both companies will market it and look at the same thing how many bums do i have on seat that's it and irrespective of what anyone says from the top of the range down, they don't care whether you buy the PS4, the PS5, the Series X, the Xbox One. It doesn't matter. It just matters what you buy and how you spend money with them. And if you're engaged, you're more likely to spend money. And I think that's what both teams do very well. They stay engaged with their, their audience. They... Microsoft do a very good hands-on. They have all these sessions in America, I know. And and I think both both companies probably focus a little too much on the american market it's their biggest mm-hmm. market by far but i think they they ignore uh, or at least don't give the same amount of love to to the wider area australia uh, new zealand all of europe and and brazil and places like that which which do spend a lot of money and i think that, yeah. that they they do need to address that or they they run the risk of of doing what nintendo did all those years ago um by ignoring europe and and if you're as old as me um, I was around before any consoles hit the country. I was a computer boy, so Sega won over here and a lot of Europe because Nintendo just ignored it. And by the time they came around, it was too late. And that was, yeah.
2: uh, that that, was back, then, that, right? The distributor
1: back then.
4: Yes, yeah, 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 and and, and that can happen again. That that could easily happen in parts of Europe if if Microsoft don't give enough love to Europe. That this is one of the things that's happened now. Sony's you know, PlayStation is big in in the UK and a lot of Europe because of the fact that. I think some of the marketing that Xbox do is a little bit too orientated to the to the American market, whereas Sony have been good at trying to giving different messages to different areas and focusing on that. And I hope they don't miss that, but they they've certainly started off with a view that everyone else, America gets it first, Japan gets it first, which is how it used to be. Japan always used to get it first, yeah. um, and then we get it a little later and i've seen people moan about that online and it's not a massive problem it's one week it's not you know it wasn't that much last time but they need to make sure that they don't do that over and over again they've raised the prices of the games but now the euro is more expensive than the dollar and that's just crazy yeah and and that's a risk that both xbox and sony need to be aware of because you, you can you can turn off your market quickly and lose quite a lot of revenue so that that's one area where i think they will be focusing they'll be looking at individual regions and who's buying who's who's buying online who's subscribing and i think what vj said around ps now it's ps now is and psn is their game pass and and that's where they'll i think they'll really go up against what microsoft are doing now which is giving extra value vas to that service so you've got get x cloud and you've got the ability to play games online ps now has been around for years it's a very good service it's only going to grow this generation and I think that's where backwards compatibility for all the titles are going to sit. And I think that that will become part of PS Now. Subscribe and get all this back catalogue. And that's where Sony's strength lies. And I think that's, that's the area they'll look to push in the next year or so to, to combat Game Pass. But it all comes down to who spends money, how often do they spend money, and how often are they engaged in keeping giving them money. That's what they're going to look at. What they tell you in the marketing is all based on what looks best for them. That's the same for any company, though.
0: Yeah, i would not really thought of sort of PlayStation now as being a sort of a competitor to Game Pass. The, the only counter I would say to that is it's very backwards looking, as in sort of, you know, these are the games that have been around and you can now play them. Whereas it feels like, you know, Game Pass is kind of forward looking, so you get day and date first party titles and stuff. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out and, and how obviously the fans of each service kind of treat it. But yeah, I agree that, you know, obviously Jim Ryan has said that there's no backwards compatibility for ps Three, two, and one. But um, I, I'm guessing he's meaning at a hardware level because surely they could software emulate backwards compa- uh, compatibility on those via PSN now, couldn't they?
4: Well, yeah, they, they, and that's that's exactly where I think it was always going to go. That's what mm. I, I got asked on another podcast, uh, and I said the same thing. then that you've got to look at it from a business point of view. That there's there's no benefit in giving away your back cat for free mm. on every, on your new machine. Microsoft have done it because it was It was their differentiator it was what made them stand out from the crowd it's been their usp very much like sony have made vr their usp for the ps4 microsoft have made the backwards compatibility their usp and i think that's great and i think sony have done the right thing by not trying to compete because i don't think they will because i think you can't underestimate how much money and time and effort microsoft have put into that and i think it's an amazing piece of work and i think it's a core element of what they're doing almost bringing the pc market to console and i think that's superb
1: yeah.
4: and i think sony knew that and they knew it would be a losing battle so they've not done it and they've what they've done is they've just stepped away from it completely uh, concentrating on giving backwards compatibility to ps4 which you've probably got to thank that that's one thing i will say that microsoft have influenced Sony on which is i don't think the ps4 being as back compatible and boosted as it as it will be on the ps5 to ps4 would happen if microsoft wasn't around but that's why we all need competition that that's why if you, even if you like xbox or even if you like sony you need both because if you have one company dominating <coughs> nvidia then you end up with you know bad quality or just bad service not 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 anti-consumer because people say that a lot and it's it's not correct charging people an extortion amount of money isn't anti-consumer it's business it's whether or not you choose to pay it or they lied to you what they're giving you that that's what's anti-consumer but That's why I like competition, because if you don't have it, you get complacency, and that's what happens all the time. Sony did it. Microsoft have done it. Every company does it. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing just how much they compete over the next 12 months and how that helps us, the consumer, to get better value.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, P- PC gaming and console gaming's probably never been so close in terms of sort of sheer specs and stuff. And obviously with uh, NVIDIA le- releasing, the, you know, the 3000 series RTX cards and, and obviously obviously um, Big Navi coming along and uh, and obviously uh, uh, Series X and PlayStation 5, RDNA 2. It's all it's all quite close this time around, isn't it? I don't think it's ever been quite so close in the past before, not from my memory anyway. Um Pucks, what's going on in the chat? There's been quite a lot in the chat. I'm conscious we've missed quite a lot of what's been said in the chat.
1: Yeah, I've been kind of darting between listening in and and reading as well. I think it's a lot of people that are effectively agreeing with what's been saying, if I'm perfectly honest, from what Mm. I could pick up. You don't Um, have to agree. You can disagree with us, guys.
4: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. That's the the heart of all conversation, yeah. Exactly.
1: Um, but as you guys were talking, I did actually think of a question of my own. I think it might be interesting. So, because I think, uh, Michael, did you also say that you,
4: if you had to pick one, was your favourite a PS5? If I had to pick, if I had to pick one at the moment, yeah, it'd be a PS5 because it, uh, I can already play everything that Xbox is going to give me on the on the series on the Xbox One X. So it's it's getting something I can't get. That that's why I would buy a PS five. I I love their content, I love their games, that's the one I would pick. But I won't pick one. I'm buying everything. So that's just <laughs> <laughs> so uh, qu- yeah, sorry. Yeah, go go on. So a question I did have then, mainly mainly for
1: the three of you, and even yourself, lad, but going towards a PS five, because we know that no matter if you get no matter Whether you get the digital or the disc based version, you're getting the exact same console. And in theory, that console should last you until the end of the current or the next generation's lifespan. Give it five to seven years, right? Whereas on the Xbox side, of course, we've got a Series X, which is more powerful than the Series S. And we're currently told that the Series S will not impede on the future development of titles on what will become the current generation. Do you guys agree with that or do you think, you know, is your reasoning for the PS5, not just for the games, but have you also considered or maybe or mainly uh, thought about whether you think that actually, because I've only got one box to worry about, you can guarantee that your games will be the same quality no matter what. Whereas on Xbox side, do you reckon there might be a, a future deterioration in the quality because developers may have to consider getting the games to run on the less powerful machine in the new family of series? I thought he wants to want. That's a. It's kind of aimed at everyone, really. So,
0: <laughs> let's go with Luke 1st first on that one.
3: Um, I mean, I think there's there's some argument to be had that you know, if if you buy a PlayStation, let's just talk about purely first party games. If you buy a PlayStation Five, you know that those developers are only developing for one baseline spec, and that's PlayStation Five. And you know. What that produces, I, we don't know yet. We don't know what that looks like longer term. You know, we're only early in the generation. Well, it hasn't even technically started, so we don't know what games two or three years from now, first party, you know, develops from the ground up properly from the ground up for one system look like. Um, so, so you could have that argument, I suppose, um, that if you're investing in a PS5, you don't have to worry about, well. You know, will the Series S hold an Xbox Series X back in terms of, you know, game design or, or something like that? Uh, and I, again, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows the answer to that. It's probably no is the answer, but but we'll just have to wait and see. But I mean, for me, you know, it doesn't. It, it depends. It depends on really the question. Depend. Uh, it's kind of predicated on the assumption that the person is only going to buy one of, of mm. those. Things. Yeah. Because if you're buying them all you don't or buying a couple you don't worry about that I mean it's just not it, you wouldn't worry about it at all because even if you know the series S holds back the Xbox series X from doing stuff you know in a couple of years from now well if you have a PC that's more capable, than, than either of those things, you don't worry about it. Because they're
0: all that you say that, though, Luke, and, and you are right. Obviously, if you're buying them all, then then it is kind, of, kind of a moot point. But I like to hear your reasoning behind the one that you do pick, if you see what I mean. And, and from, from what I've heard, you know, everyone seems to be leaning towards PS5 because they they think, well, I'm not saying that it's not true, but because it's going to come with games that you can't get on a PS4. And that and that's an interesting topic because, obviously, you know, Xbox Series X has games like that, not necessarily first party ones but he obviously has the, the medium and i've got to be honest off the top of my head i can't think of another that is xbox series x only perhaps the chat can help me out on there and perhaps the medium isn't a big enough draw for people to think um you know xbox series x is their sort of primary mm-hmm. console as it were but
4: um also there's also scorn on the xbox oh, series. Scorn. yeah we haven't really seen that since the july showcase have we? i know but i'm a big hr geiger fan that game really intrigues me yeah yeah um, so
1: sorry, Pucks, what was your question? Should we aim it at Michael
0: then?
1: Yeah, it was mainly whether or not you believe. I mean, because you're going for P- all of you have said that if you had to pick one, you're going for PS5, regardless of whether you, whether you buy them all. I myself have said I'd probably go for the Xbox to start with because I'm heavily invested into it. However, that's not to say that I wouldn't want to get a PS5 because there are many titles PS5 exclusive which I'd love to play. But I suppose my question is, do you reckon that because PS5 being one platform, you're con- it's guaranteed that you're not going to be hindered in? the quality of the games going into the years, whereas on the Xbox side of the fence, you've got a Series S which is less powerful than the Series X. Currently Microsoft has said that, developers have even said, apparently according to this as well, that the lower graphical fidelity and and power of a Series S will not impede on the future games to come. Do you reckon that is true in the long term, or do you reckon that Xbox would suffer?
4: Who's that question for?
1: Let's let's point it towards you then, Michael.
0: I mean, is uh, is having to co You know, is having to support a previous generation uh, actually a ball and chain for for game development and, and possibly game
2: design? Can I go before Michael?
4: Yeah, go on. On. If it, Michael doesn't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
2: because obviously I've been watching his videos. So yeah, like, go on. In pole position.
4: <laughs> Stop saying that now, every <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, we've done that bit. Go on. Um, it's interesting what Puxley was saying, and um, for the mass market consumers, right, um, Spider-Man's coming out right in the very short future, so they're going to be comparing Miles Morales on the on both PlayStation systems, right, going to. And for them, I think most, for the mass market, I think consumers is gonna be a wow moment, right? Akin to maybe, you know, maybe not as but as much, but going from standard definition PS2 and Xbox visuals to HD visuals. Now, was, of course, it's all gonna be subjective, right? But my point in regarding the announcement of uh, God of War um, is something that needed to be done, right? But it was, it was much needed uh, akin to the reveal of Fable, right? Having to be mm-hmm. announced on Series X. Uh, in my opinion, uh, God of War is currently positioned to be Sony's big third quarter or maybe Christmas release 2021 setting up Spider-Man for for probably 2022 right so full capacity on that game probably wrapped up at the end of 2018 sorry 2017 um and then because God of War just came out subsequently you know a few months later or maybe even prior to that date so it's four years enough to rebuild all all or just key aspects of the God of War engine and deliver a true next gen 25-hour, 25 25-hour 25 gaming experience. Given that the game design, the mechanics, to a degree, are already in place, is it enough time to rebuild the engine to push stuff like what skin texturing, uh, facial and skeletal animation, broken bones, mm-hmm. better muscle deformation, flesh wounds, advanced scene complexities? Because what I'm seeing that none of these games that cross gens that are coming out are supporting anything near what we saw in the uh, Unreal Engine 5 demo, right? In terms of Nanite and Lumen, right? Um, So for me personally, and and obviously someone else can answer this better than me, this is a completely layman's perspective, but it's just been rattling around in my head. It's no, because even the Unreal Engine 5 is only releasing at the end of 2021, albeit uh, the preview version is coming out early next year. Um, And even if they're sort of like letting it out in terms of preview or beta mode, Epic can only really support like maybe a couple of really top games that they think that would showcase the engine in and around launch. I don't think they've got the capacity to support like 10 or 15 beta programs, right? So And also, Sony may have sold uh, a maximum of, let's say, 25 or 35 million units by the end of next year. So will they want to uh, keep the Series S at bay and retain PlayStation 4 gamers engaged and, and keep God of War on that system? But surely the God of War engine can't be advanced in time for a a 2021 PlayStation exclusive, or can it? And I want to say yes, since Sony and Epic have been working so tightly together all this while and taking into consideration the $250 million, I think it was, investment that they made. So Sony want to be first. Uh, and have to be first in my opinion to sh- showcase the cutting edge of what games have to offer and what better game to showcase that than God of War right this is the whole premise of their system right and, and what brian has been saying so or is the answer much simpler than that is God of War will be on both systems PS4 and PS5 but the PlayStation 5 with Uh, will have all the latest sort of technological advancements and it will be cutting edge. And the PS4 version will just have all these advancements switched off, just like the Unreal Engine apparently allows for, right, in terms of its features being switched off in order to um, uh, scale it back, right? So it's operational on next gen, current gen, and all the way down to, what is it, tablets and even mobile phones, right? Mm. So is this even possible? Is this how studios, in terms of cost and structure, uh, are being restructured? Um, requiring so much more development resources. to So now everybody's going multi-format, hence software prices are also going up because of this. I mean, whoever gets true cross-gen title spot on first will be the talk of the town, in my opinion. You can't underestimate the value of being first in in anything, right, when it comes to gaming, right? And no wonder the the PlayStation 5 uh, DualSense controller is getting so much traction uh, here, there, and everywhere. The only game engine I see in development that can... Develop, develop, uh, sorry, deliver cutting edge advancements to render PS5's argument that Sony's first party games look the best, perform the best, creatively the best, narratively the best. Is perhaps, uh, and I've already said this, but it's probably play grand games, right? Even though I'm a big Fable fan, but it's the first game that comes to mind, Final Fantasy 16 aside, right? Everyone else seems to, uh, right now be using. Uh, the Unreal Engine 4.2 and and waiting the Unreal Engine 5. So that's what's going on in my mind, my uneducated mind, I would say, layman terms. Since I love 2018, right? Spider Man and God of War were the pinnacle of this generation for me, right? So uh, feel free to pick the bones out of that, James. Well, let, let me let me put my
0: opinion, and we'll come to, to Michael to, to correct me one way or the other. But <laughs> I, I I think perhaps um, Jim Ryan and Sony's marketing department, and obviously Jim Jim Ryan being the front man, I think he's lost a little bit of credibility potentially over the way that obviously some of this information was, was delivered particularly after the event on a, on a Twitter post. Um, and I think it came as a lot as a big surprise to a lot of people. So I think that's dented a few people's sort of faith in him a little bit. And I think lots of questions have been asked around the new God of War game. Actually, is it going to be a PS4, you know, a cross-platform, or are they going to really leverage the, the PS5 hardware? But this is the bit I'm going to kind of pitch to you, Michael. So, you know, the... the PS4 PS5 both x86 processors obviously GPUs vastly different in terms of, of performance and output i guess the 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 biggest difference is obviously the the IO obviously with the um, NVMe SSDs does you know with 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 having the same style processor x86 and stuff i mean things should be very scalable shouldn't they i mean you should be able to scale back graphics you should be able to turn off ray tracing you should be able to scale back sort of processor and some ai functions as well But you know we've seen it on pcs there's a vast swathe of of settings that you can turn up down or off I'm guessing from a game design point of view, so something like Ratchet & Clank Rifts Apart, where, you know, you absolutely need the speed of that IO to load in worlds instantly, you know, that, that simply can't be done on PS4. But if God of War aren't aiming for that, then surely it's highly scalable and, and is possibly a PS4 title as well.
4: There's absolutely no reason why it wouldn't be. But, I mean, I'm not going to that put me on a pedestal. I don't know. So it all depends on what the team are aiming for and what their their desires are but everything's possible if you have enough talent team and budget that, that's really the reality of it uh, Developing for cross-generation titles doesn't doesn't mean you can't scale. All engines are built to scale now. They they all allow you to do things on a visual level. It's almost, it's almost a, a non-conversation now to know that you can just turn off fi- post-processing features off. You can take a different path that's cheaper. You can use mm-hmm. different solutions. There's all these options that are there. So, um, the the biggest benefit will for the for the bringing it back to the point. The the series S won't limit the generation because. It fundamentally can do everything that the Series X can do. It won't limit it any more than the Series X. That, that's the reality of it. It might struggle earlier in the generation. That's for definite because when you get a 1440 1080p game running at 30 FPS that wants to push the boat out in the Series X, what do you do with the Series S? But that's probably not for now. And that's never going to be probably an issue with Xbox because I want to push 4K. But let's take god of war as an example if they're going to scale the engine it all depends on what they're doing as a game mechanic or a, <laughs> a gameplay process more than visual so you can still take those out the, the classic example was uh, i think beginning this generation what was the um the lord, not lord of the rings game the one with the nemesis system What was it called shadow of the Shadow. yes it, oh, yeah. yeah so that that launched on last gen and it had the nemesis system completely removed because it it didn't have the ram really that that was the reality of it it couldn't handle all that and the cpu calculations was allegedly the reason but it's it's more likely ram so you can take out game mechanics of a game but is it the same game anymore and i think it all comes down to what the choices are so for example we don't know what horizon Um, forbidden west is going to be in terms of gameplay on the ps5 to the ps4 and it used to happen many many years ago if you played games on on different consoles that they were completely different experiences same title same game but like aladdin for the snes and the mega drive were different games so you could have a game that that fundamentally has the same story but has huge parts that are different so you could you could be able to fly in Horizon, in the Forbidden West, uh, mm-hmm. fly, and all the things they could do. And on the PS4, you can't. You can only ride animals on the ground. That that, okay. that function's completely gone. So, if they're going to do that, are they going to do that? I don't know. It's completely hypothetical. But mm. the reality is that it doesn't, Sony are big enough, clever enough, and and as Vijay quite rightly pointed out, they they intermingle their skills and technology. You can almost see what's going to come up next when you look at some of their games that come out now. You can see the path they're going and they, they share technology. So, the possibilities of what could happen on the PS5 will always be limited slightly, but that could be overcome by budget and team and outsourcing and other people's solutions. So I wouldn't get too panicked about whether or not the game itself is running on PS4. It's just about, is it going to be a great game for me? And I think Spider Man proves that. It doesn't look last gen, does it? It looks next gen, yet it's running on the PS4. And probably people will see the PS4 version and think, oh my God, that looks horrible. And I think that's the problem. You, you almost get used to the level you've been brought up to. But if you look at Spider-Man, then go back and look at the Spider-Man from 2018, there's, there's stark differences in the quality. And I think that that's what Sony are trying to do. They're, they're trying to give everyone the experience of next generation first, but they're trying to do it by not alienating their entire title. In fact, it was exactly the same thing with the PS4 Pro, but I think they got that slightly wrong. It was almost not quite good enough by not in the ps4 team there was a few great titles on it but i think by and large and i said this when i reviewed the ps4 pro um i would stick with the ps4 i don't think you're going to miss much and i think in a generation that's true if you if you were obsessed about 4k better image quality and better performance then yes it was worth it but if you wanted to play and experience the same games you what you it wasn't and i think we're going to see that on some of these cross-gen games you're going to see a less advanced less pristine, less enjoyable and visually splendid experience, but it'll still be there. But if you're if you're that way inclined, you'll instantly see the value of the PS5 version. Therefore you'll buy the PS5. And I think that's that's fundamentally what they'll go for.
0: Yeah. No, absolute valid points. And I, I do completely agree. I guess as an Xbox Community, we are we are an ultra sensitive bunch, and I think a lot of us a lot of us feel that the sort of the narrative when Microsoft first came out and said that they were going to be supporting backwards compatible or back uh, sort cross generation titles, the narrative was well, you know, games will be held back and they won't be able to progress forward and stuff. And you know, I guess from a game design point of view, there are some instances where that could be the case. But I think you know, I'm guessing the medium is probably a fair example of that. But you know, things like Call of Duty and and most platformers and again perhaps Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is another example where an SSD is needed. But you know in the in the in the whole, I think game design isn't going to change so radically over the next year or so that, like you say, you can't go backwards and and, and support your current generation of console. Um, okay, I think, I think it's all
4: about. it. Sorry, I just want to finish off. I think it's all about. If you have to support PS4 for longer than the generation crossover period, i.e. the next 12 months, then then it will start limiting them, absolutely. But I think mm-hmm. this is just that early stage where they don't want to miss out on on keeping people happy, but more importantly getting that return back on the investment because th- th- these are these are not cheap games to make horizon looks like it's going to be right up there with their, one of their biggest so they need that revenue just to get that you know the money back into the pot to do the next big game so there's that that compromise they have to make the, the question is is it a big compromise i don't think it is but short term it's not going to affect it long term it would but sony have no plans to do that and i think i don't think microsoft have either i don't think you'll see the xbox one around for very long in terms of Microsoft plans.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And that that makes, like you say, it makes perfect business sense and there needs to be a transition. So um, now I very appreciate your comments, Jen. So let Pucks, let's, um, let's finish on the chat because the chat's been really good tonight we have neglected the chat a little bit. So I I do apologize guys. So Talon um, 69's asked, and we've kind of answered this, but we'll go through out of everyone on a panel. What is your next gen system of choice? If you could only choose one. So I'll go first. Mine's very clear. Mine would be an Xbox series X, obviously. Um, Day one, um, without a shadow of a doubt, but I I am planning to get a PS5 as soon as I can, basically. Pucks?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm leaning towards a Series X as well, although I don't think I will necessarily be launch straight away because I know I can play some of this content on my PC to begin with.
0: I did. Um, I ran a poll on Twitter that I found was really interesting because I, I asked the percentage of people that were going to get uh, a Series X or S on All Access, and I think it came out at about twenty percent. We're going to consider All Access. I thought that was a real really good thing from microsoft i'm surprised not not many people are going to sort of take up on the offer but perhaps that's the second if not third wave of sort of gamers that may take uh, microsoft up on that offer we Um, say that
1: but regarding all access we did have a a few questions in the chat about what all access even is so i suppose uh, you know is the message being put across correctly from microsoft that you know all access
0: is a thing Clearly not, because it's actually been around since the Xbox One X days, and you could actually, you know, they actually touted it that if you went on the all access with the Xbox One X, then you got a free Series X. Well, I say free, you know, you could carry on paying the subscription and get Series X out of it as well. So perhaps Microsoft's marketing is, yeah, lacking slightly there. Uh, VJ, PS Five, Xbox Series X or S or PC.
2: I was going to say the Nintendo, stick with the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) um, (laughs) Tacking on the back of what Michael said, I think. Fundamentally, if I want to play Spider-Man if I can get a PS5, but if if the difference isn't significant, or sorry, I should say if it it is significant uh, in terms of performance, engagement, and and playability, um, then definitely I'd I'd go for a PlayStation 5.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Luke, you said PS5 for Demon's Souls alone, I'm guessing.
4: Uh, And Spider-Man, yeah. And
0: Uh, Spider-Man. Michael, same for you?
4: Yeah, same for me. Yeah.
0: See, wondering wondering Dutch came up with a very good point really. It's not so much the titles because on paper, and this has been touted this week that Microsoft actually have more first-party titles in the in the oven as it were than Sony. As has been declared so far, whether that's the actual case, we don't know. But Wondering Duchess said, "Actually, this seems to come down to a launch title thing because you know the value. so Luke and and Michael have both said that they'd want a PS five day one because of Demon's Souls, obviously a launch title. It just makes me wonder if 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 our opinions might be slightly different if if Halo Infinite was actually launching with the Series X, and whether that might be enough to overpower Demon's Souls or not really.
3: Um, I just, think. Sorry, just to, just I think that is a valid uh, argument because if if you t- if you said um, you know you can't have your PC uh, but you can have one of these consoles at launch, mm. and uh, and the Series X was launching with with Halo and let's say one other one other title uh, doesn't have to be a particularly big one, then then it might be different for me, right? So it, it, because Halo is is one of my favorite franchises of all time, and that that might swing me either way. So I, I just think right now that if if you know. I mean, and again, it's all it all depends on what you're interested in in terms of mm. gaming. Because you know, uh, a lot of people might not be interested in either Demon Souls or Spider Man, but they might be really interested in in Valhalla, right? And they might really want to yeah. play that on a Series X because they mm. just typically play it on an Xbox. So. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think if the launch lineups were different, then my answer might be different. If you know, if I don't have a PC because I do. So.
0: Well, yeah. You know, to be honest, you know, both yourself, Luke, and Mark, you've you've helped answer a question that was in my head because obviously I I don't think many people would agree or disagree actually that you know postponing um, the launch of Halo Infinite was the right thing to do. It absolutely was the right thing to do, and I'm almost pleased that Microsoft showed. Halo Infinite in the state that they did at the July showcase because we can all pitch in our heads now why it needs to be delayed because lots of times you get game developers saying right, we need to delay this game and because it's not ready and that's all you get we could actually see that it wasn't ready this time. So I think it sits a lot easier in people's minds. But the question I had was, is this actually going to damage Microsoft in any way? And in some respects, I was thinking, no, it's probably not at all, actually. But in terms of people that are possibly sitting on the fence and, and perhaps want something desperate for launch day, perhaps it might. Not not long term, but perhaps short term, it might.
1: Um, Pucks, what else have we got going on in the so, comments? A, a comment just came in from DragonWolf, actually, which I think... Very, very accurate, or at least something good, which is very true and up and coming. So, they say, I also think Sony will release more and more on PC. Jim Ryan does not want to leave that money on the table. He was the CFO and knows money, not fanboyism. And I think, it's okay. very true. yeah, we've I seen a lot it's... more PlayStation titles start to make their way to PC. And I think if you are a PC gamer, like, PC has been my main system for a couple of years now. And if I know that I've got my main playstation titles coming to pc for me that's a great way for me to jump in and yet i don't then have to fork out for a playstation
0: i completely agree and to be honest i mean i am trying to wrap the show up guys but you keep bringing up points that are fantastic and actually it was a it was a bullet point that i'd that i'd had planned for tonight so i'm going to go just to one person um for the sake of time um who shall i go to and what was the question um well, let's go to you, Michael. Let's go to you. So with, um, you know, with with PCs, uh, sorry, the majority of Xbox games coming to PC and some PS5 games coming to PC, is that if, you know, if you've got a semi-decent rig, is there actually any point owning, owning a PS5 and an Xbox Series X or, or might as well just hang on to your PC and get one or the other? Because, um, you know, there is a push at the moment, particularly well, Microsoft have been doing it for a long time, but Sony seem to be doing it more and more, you know, pushing their software onto PC. So is actually, if you've got a semi-decent rig, is a a PS5 essential? And the same for Microsoft.
4: And I think Dragon Walls right. It it is about money, but it's also about establishing the brand and spreading the brand. I think um, it was touched on earlier that if you've got, a game like Horizon, which recently came out, um, three years, four years after it came out on, on consoles, it, it's not it's not it's not giving you money anymore. So I think there's a there's a, a couple of reasons why I think Sony will do this. They won't do it day one. So the the, the question would be, do you want a PS5? You can leave it if you want to wait three years to play the, the great big game that everyone else would be seeing this year, for example. So God of War two will probably be three or four years uh, if it launches on PC, before it launches on PC. Can you wait that long? Then it's worth it. Absolutely. Keep your PC and wait. But the benefit that they've got is, one, they'll get revenue because they'll get money back for something that they wouldn't have got before. So when, they, when the games stop making money on their platform, they can then make more money on the other platform. But more importantly, it'll also hit PS Now at the same time. And if you make a PC version on PS Now, you can run it much cheaper in your farms online in a cloud solution and also increase the, the performance by running it at much higher frame rates and therefore lowering the latency, giving you a much better experience on PS Now. So there's, there's, there's many reasons why they'll do it. It just depends on how lucrative it is. I mean, everyone remembers back when Microsoft started this. They weren't jumping full feet into going to PC, but it took off and it worked for them. So they, they embraced it full on. So halfway through this generation, they were looking at it, towing the water, end of the generation, fully done it. Sony will never go like that, but they, they will probably release certain titles after three years on PC. I, I I it it won't stop because it's going to make them money. And there's 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 other edge cases and benefits that come alongside that.
0: Yeah, no, completely agree. And um yeah, very valid point to be honest. Uh Puxley, uh, what else is going on in the chat? Like I say, I'm just really trying to wrap the show up before we go into sort of two
1: and a half hour territory. Um there's not much more in terms of real new questions. We uh, had one from earlier from Fun Speculation saying, in a way, these mid-gen refreshes are ruining our perception of the quality jump between generations.
0: That's a fair point. Luke, um, would you say that's a fair comment? I think it probably is, to be honest. Uh, it
3: depends on if you game on PC or not,
0: I think. Oh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> a valid point. Um, I, um, I think I, I'm not sure I agree with that, actually.
3: Um, okay purely because the 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 mid gen refreshes that their sole um kind of defining uh, rationale for their existence was was just to increase frame buffer just to increase resolution you know to to bring us up to a, a new era of of high resolutions across console gaming if you look at kind of any of the games they don't or the vast majority don't do anything additional in terms of um in you know, in terms of their rendering, you know, there is not vast waves of extra geometry added and more detail everywhere, etc. It's, it's purely a res bump, so um, not for me. But but I think I think to be fair, um, there is a valid point in that um, you can't, you know, you are not going to get the same wow factor now when you go into a new generation as you might have done with, say, uh, an Xbox One X in particular um because you know there's not going to be an increase in in your res any more than there already was um you're going to have the same res although you will have a a massive a massive uh, f- you know frame rate jump for a lot of games which which will be that wild wow factor so i think there's more wild wow factors factors to come i just think we're we're early in the generation we're we're cross gen it's never the most impressive period of a console's life so let's reevaluate that question maybe 2 3 years time <laughs> when we see things like you know, Fable and, uh, you know, noly Dog's next game and all of this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. That valid point, like you say, you know, these generations take a while to get going, and and you know, as as was alluded to, um, you know, the the full benefit of the hardware that we've got this time is is going to take a little while to get uh, up and running, and like you say, you know, PC kind of spans the gap, doesn't it, to a certain degree, because obviously it's so scalable. Um, I'm guessing, you know, if if these so let's imagine uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart does come to PC, I mean, I'm guessing that's going to be pushing some pretty high PC specs, particularly around the sort of um SSD requirements and things like that if it is, you know, uh, SSD heavy in terms of sort of usage, I guess. But um, I think that kind of wraps this up, to be honest. Uh, Vijay, is there anything else you want as as a closing shot for today's topic?
2: um no nope, i'm i'm all good thank you it's been a fantastic show so far and- yeah
0: I've, I've really enjoyed this mate thank you very much to the panel guys you know I, I know i say this every week but you know you guys you give us the most precious thing you can is your time and i'm really grateful for you to do that guys in the chat you have been phenomenal today you really have it's been quite outstanding i quite like the the to and fro in between each other but obviously you know throwing a few curveballs our way as well and um it's absolutely fine to dis- disagree with people um because that's the nature of the beast. So, um, okay, well, let's just do a bit of a closing round then. So, Pucks, um, it's been a good
1: show today. I've enjoyed today. Um, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pucksly AR and I'm also on Xbox, Assembly uh, Puxley as well. So you can find me on either of those places.
0: You can, and we obviously put out the odd video. Pucks did one. You did one on the Cold War Alpha, didn't you, the other day?
1: I did, yeah. I did a PlayStation 4 capture of... Uh, the Cold War Cold War Alpha. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, by all means, give it a give it a look and see what you think.
2: Yeah,
0: cool. Um VJ, where can we find you on socials?
2: uh maybe not on the social media probably in a cupboard having a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea you do
0: like your bacon sandwiches don't you
2: nowhere near it there's several things but that might be another podcast on itself but uh yeah you can find me at viewpoint gaming or you can find me here on uh sundays at green pass gaming or on thursdays over on boom's channel
0: excellent um luke where can we find you
2: yeah, good, great show.
3: Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you can find me uh, at steel 90 on Twitter, and that's pretty much it because work consumes my life. Uh, so <laughs> so I'm well, very rarely on anything else apart from this because I really enjoy it.
0: I do have a question for you. When is your 3080 due to arrive? When does that come through the uh, post? Well, I mean... <laughs>
3: Unfortunately, uh, I ordered it with a retailer in the UK called Overclockers, which I'm sure is familiar to um, many people, order PC parts, and they have had um, what can only be described as uh, an absolute nightmare uh, with, with their free AT kind of pre-order process. Mm. So the, the full answer to the question is I'm expecting it sometime before the end of the year, but I don't know when it is, and also Overclockers have taken my money already. So yeah. Um, mm. So who knows, really? I could get it next year. I have no idea. I don't know, Michael, if, if, if you've pre-ordered one as well through someone like Overclockers and you've had a similar message, but it's it's the Wild West out there. Um,
4: yeah, I, I, no, I don't want to digress too much, but I know suppliers are meant to be October. But you expect that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd yeah.
0: heard October. but yeah. um, Okay, well, that's good. Exciting times ahead, Luke. You'll be able to do some benchmarking on, on the new crisis, which is um, flight sim. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Let us know how you got on with that, and we 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 owe a, a, a thanks and a congratulations to Michael because today I think you, I believe you hit forty thousand subs on your YouTube channel. Did I? You did. You don't even know, do you? Yes, I've been I've been tracking that. So you were at forty thousand, forty k earlier on. What's so that? Well.
4: I tell you what, it, that, that that's good. That's great. Thank you. I, I, I didn't even know that. No, it's been good. I, I've I've gone up quite a lot in the past couple of months. So yeah, it's been it's been great. Thank you very much, each and every one that. Has subscribed.
0: Yeah, that's not a problem. And to be honest, you know, since we I mean we're in comparison, we are absolute you know, drop in the ocean. But, you know, even for us at this level, you know, we know and understand that you have to earn and and keep every single sub. And that's not easy to do. It's not like Twitter, where you follow someone and they follow you back, you know, you have to earn your subs. And, you know, someone who hits forty thousand thousand subs, you know, you absolutely deserve it, my friend. And um, it's it's a testament to the quality of the the output of your channel that, you know, there's no two ways about it. You can't argue with 40,000 subs, they, you know, they've come your way, and they've stayed there. And that's, absolutely fantastic to see so keep it up with the good videos i mean i've been a subscriber for a long time now and I, I hope luke doesn't mind me saying this but when he when he realized you were coming on the show he said make sure i've got an invite for that one it's like yep absolutely <laughs> my friend so um it's been an absolute pleasure michael uh, I'd, I'd love you to come back on the show if you're willing at some point but um keep up the good work so wh- where can we find you on the socials
4: uh, i'm on sorry twitter it's at n underscore x underscore g not the best name but i'm not a social media god um and then on youtube it's just nx gamer so um again appreciate everyone that's what the nice things you just said there man i I really do appreciate everyone that's that said nice things about me but don't don't put me or anyone else on a pedestal i'm not saying anyone is but I, i don't like that so i'm just some guy doing stuff on on youtube and it's a passion that i've got and i work i've worked in technology for years so it's not as if it's for me it's just like bread and butter stuff but I'm glad that I, at least I offer something that's a little different and a little bit honest and hopefully educational or entertaining at least. not educational sounds like patronising. I'm not trying to be patronising. But, yeah, it's great. I really appreciate you guys inviting me on here. It's been an excellent chat. Great points. Love, love discussion. Absolutely live for discussion and disagreements. That's that's what it's all about. So thank you very much for having me, and I would love to come back if you would put up with me again.
0: Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And don't don't underestimate yourself. 40,000 people is a football stadium worth of people, and that's a lot of people. <laughs> that so. is it it is chat you have been phenomenal thank you very much let's do this again next week um i've got a couple of guests we've got archimedes hopefully coming on next week and um oh and a surprise i will keep it to myself actually so um guys thank you very much we'll do it again next week thank you very much panel thank you very much chat thanks for being with us and until next time goodbye
4: thank you